Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I want you to fire me. You fucking mark! Fire me! If you want Stone Cold Steve Austin to compete in a match tonight, give me a hell yeah! I am working here without a contract. I'm not even on payroll anymore. Cody Rhodes has indeed signed with WWE. I just became the new owner of Ring of Honor! Sasha and Naomi did this past Monday night. They have been suspended indefinitely. Vince McMahon has announced his retirement from WWE. There are a massive pair of shoes to fill, but we will. I'm hurt and I'm old and I'm fucking tired and I work with fucking children. Happy Crimbo Limbo, wherever you are in the world. We are here today. As we say goodbye to 2022, as it goes down for its final three count, we're going to pontificate, commemorate, and commiserate some of the big stories in the wrestling world through the eyes of Cultaholic.com. Here to do that with me is from Cultaholic.com and from the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review, Jack Atkins. Jack Atkins, hello. Hello. And making his return to the podcast feed, the Cultaholic.com tribal editor-in-chief, Aidan Gibbons. Hello. Look at you two. What does Crimbo Limbo look like in Aidan Gibbons' house? That weird bit between Christmas and New Year. I don't do anything. I'm, I'm very miserable, you see, <laughs> apparently. So, so, like, call her my girlfriend. She's dead excited for a dead happy, really looking forward to it. Like, yes, it's Christmas. Busy putting together a Gorge of the Galaxy Lego set out of the calendar. Aww. And I'm just like, I'm not bothered. It'll be Christmas at some point, And then I'll eat lots of food. And I've got to go and see the nephews and stuff and give them their presents. And I'm going to watch Christmas Chronicles. Nice. Yeah. But, but we're at that point now, post when people are hearing this, it's sort of post-Christmas, pre-New Year. The dead week. The, oh, the dead week. We're after, the, I thought you went before Christmas. No, no the Crimbo week. Limbo. This, oh. is, this is the period. What does the dead week look the dead like week, for you? Like, well, I'm working all week. Are you on, are you on shift all week? <laughs> yeah. Rust so, never sleeps. So covering whatever stuff will happen in the wrestling, like Roman Reigns. Eating a burger on SmackDown. It might get to that point yeah. where we're that slow. Uh, Jack Atkins, what does Dead Week slash Crimbo Limbo look like in your house? So I'm officially on call. So if, I don't know, Al Snow does an armed siege on a farm, <laughs> Aiden Gibbons will send me a message and be like, hop on the website, it's all kicking off. And I'll be like, yeah, and I'll put my underpants on. I'll stop watching snuff movies and I'll just be, I'll be typing. But apart from that, just meat. 
Eating meat. It's nice that people get to hear from you guys. I mean, Jack Atkins, we hear from you on the weekly anyway. Mm. Uh, nice to hear Maiden Gimmers because I think people tend to forget the behind, like the your, your Adam Pachitis and your Jack Kings on the Cultaholic channel, there is a, a bustling, hustling machine that keeps Cultaholic.com ticking over. The workhorses. The workhorses. The workhorses. Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, right here. There you go. Uh, uh, Justin Henry and Lewis House also in the Of mix. course. Well, exactly. They don't, the they, they don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so how's this podcast going to work? Well, uh, very shortly, uh, with the help of Aiden Gibbons, the Cultaholic.com tribal editor-in-chief, we are going to go through some of the big news stories of 2022. Uh, Jack Atkins, has taken a look at the returns and the debuts of 2022 because it's been a fair few, wasn't there? Well, I did, well I've been looking at the weird ones because mm. we were going when we were doing peek behind the curtain. It when we were doing the prep for this, we were like, what else has happened this year? And we we're like, blah blah appeared on the indies, and we we're like, oh god, yeah, and so and so. And I was like, right, I'm going to get all the peculiar and ones we didn't think we'd see. I've I've got all those compiled. Some movers and some shakers. And then we're going to end on uh, looking at the the weird side of coldtolic.com. And, and it's something that Aiden, you and I will have a laugh about yeah. first thing in the morning. How some articles and some stories will just resonate with the coldtolic.com readership more than anyone else. And we're going to reflect on some of the, the stranger ones, aren't we? Yeah. There's certain keywords <laughs> that people tend to go for. <laughs> We'll get to that in good time. Let us begin our reflection on 2022, a busy year in the world of wrestling that started off with Shane McMahon being given his marching orders from his dad's company. What happened here, Aiden? So we're starting off with absolutely no big news here. Shane McMahon randomly disappearing in the succession style. <laughs> <laughs> it really was like succession. Yeah, like... He's basically been gone since WrestleMania 37, where he has his steel cage match with Braun Strowman. Ba -ba -ba Braun. <laughs> like, not much really heard about him. And then suddenly, there he is in the Rumble, turns up, is heavily involved in the ending of the match, out punches Matt Riddle, <laughs> like, eliminates Kevin Owens to get his revenge on, like, on their feud from 2017, 2018, 2019. Gets his revenge on all of that, and then he's like, gets eliminated by Lesnar, who goes on to win the match. Of course, after all this, we then find out that Shane has been very hands-on with putting <laughs> the match together, um, wanting to basically book the ending of the match around himself. Um, but he went, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to put over Lesnar. That's perfect. I'm okay. willing to put over I'll, Lesnar. I'll put him over. What a guy. <laughs> and basically, backstage, Vince McMahon has come out and gone, Shane, your ideas are rubbish. <laughs> um, and Shane, being a, the boy wonder, has just become very irritated and started screaming at Jamie Noble. And has been <laughs> deeply confrontational with other people backstage. Um, but... Because all you've got backstage is you've got what Vince saying one for you've got Lesnar basically going no, and you've got Shane mentioning his own things on the side. Talent are just really confused and poor bad bunnies there who make <laughs> the celebrity appear and just be like, what the hell is going on in this company? And after all of this, the Rumble goes down as one of the worst reviewed Rumbles of all time, oh. if not the worst. Rubbish. And then three days later, Shane's gone. That's it. Now, now, Jackins, is there any truth to the rumor? Because we talked about, I'm sure there was some speculation on this. But refresh our memories. Was Shane going to be involved in, beyond the Rumble as well? Wasn't there talk of like the Elimination Chamber and WrestleMania? Well, it's one of those, isn't it? That obviously older heads will remember Shane McMahon in 
the corporation stuff. He was in the Euro- he was European Championship scene, but he he was sneaky. He was a weasel, and you know often got his head kicked in. But when he came back as the all conquering Shane McMahon, they kind of rewrote it into oh Shane McMahon, he's the purest striker in the WWE. <laughs> he can hold his own against anyone you put in front of him. Like, I don't know why the pair of you scoffed at the idea of him outboxing UFC's Matt Riddle. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's one of those with the McMahons, isn't it? Like, in the Attitude Era, you could put them into any storyline, it was fine. But obviously, they're the billionaires and they're rich and they've got egos. And it seems to have carried on where, yeah, there were, there were rumblings that he was going to, you know, keep going forward. And Shane McMahon, he's a, he's a draw, kids. Well, he is. Ish. But, um, yeah, is the, he, though? People, I, I was excited when he came back. He must be doing something right, but there the were rumblings that he was going to continue on, and it's not outside the realm of possibilities that the McMahons were going to get involved with WrestleMania, was it? So. I, think, I think the rumours are Lashley and Rollins might have been his opponents. Well, I'd heard rumours about uh, a shame man, Seth Rollins. Oh, yeah, yeah of course yeah. he would. Of course. And he was going to be involved in Elimination Chamber. Like, his whole being eliminated by Lesnar is meant to set up <laughs> like him, his involvement in the Elimination Chamber for the WWE title. And he just annoys everyone so much that it's been it off. Yeah. I don't think, like, for me, like, everyone's got their own opinions on Shane McMahon, and, and there's not many that are really massive fans. For me, I could always forgive Shane McMahon's sort of flights of ego to go, oh, I'll do a feud with them and I'll look brilliant. I, I can always forgive that, but in January of this year, I ran out of forgiveness because he ruined my favorite match of the year. He yeah. ruined the Royal Rumble. And it is, it, for me, January is my WrestleMania month. It's my birthday month and it's Royal Rumble. And he, he ruined the Royal Rumble. because so he was the one that booked it and went, here's, here's the idea, lads, right? Yeah. I eliminate everyone. <laughs> Fuck off. Well, it was done <laughs> with you, Shane. It was a weird one because for years, people used to say backstage that Shane was more personable he was if you wanted to get you know ideas to the McMahons go through Shane because you know he, he was he was one of the boys whereas Stephanie was you know molding the image of her own father but it seems like it's just completely backfired on him where everyone's now going go away you old prick yeah. just <laughs> what <are> you doing <laughs> um, but like you said yeah you, you could forgive him because you thought alright he's in there with Kurt Angle he'll take a bump onto his face and he'll sell the arse off for people who can legitimately batter him but yeah, he, what one time too many, definitely. Mm. Well, I'm sure that will be the only McMahon-based news we will have for WWE in 2022. We'll park that for now. A, a shocking move to see Shane McMahon leave the WWE. Arguably, a more shocking move would come just a few weeks later with the announcement that Cody Rhodes, one of the founding uh, CEOs, uh, or, sorry, vice presidents executive of vice EVP. President. That's the yeah. one. One of the founding executive vice presidents of AEW was coming back to WWE. What's the story here, Aiden? So what we find out by mid-February when Cody ultimately leaves is he's been out of contract since the end of the year. Tony Khan has decided not to exercise his option year, but we don't know why. All of us basically in the office are assuming at this point that Cody is ultimately going to re-sign, that he's going to stick around, nothing about WWE, and just a bit inside baseball, but sort of of the morning where we find out that he's leaving, Dave Meltzer reports that there's talk backstage at Raw that Cody might be going back to WWE. 
And I remember Jack King just dismissing it out of hand. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> just going, no, no, no. No way is he going back to WWE. He's, he's Mr. AW. He wears that lovely cloth. He decries racism. All the other stuff that Cody Rhodes does. <laughs> All your key elements. I remember The Office coming to life. Yes. When, because Meltzer mentioned it, and then something else came out about it. And then before we do it, we went... No, this is a breaking news story. We've got to. Yeah, it was. We've got to go for this. Like Atkins said, it was like an actual newsroom. It was. Felt like a newsroom. <laughs> Even Triple Jump were just like, "Wow, you guys really kicked into gear." Because was it he? He released like a, a screenshot of like an iPhone notes thing to Twitter. So I was transcribing that. You were writing up the actual story. You and Jack King, I think, were heading into the actual. We um, recorded the news. Yeah. yeah. So between between us, and I think Fraser was involved, maybe on socials or something. Ross, I don't know. He may have been there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, but, yeah I don't. But know. we we just straight away went right on it and just fired on all cylinders, and it was really exciting. Yeah. So like, it's basically AW and Cody and Brandy Woods put out a joint statement mm. where they were saying they're leaving. He's leaving his roles completely. They all thank each other, have big hugs, all that sort of rubbish. And then <laughs> all that sort of rubbish. <laughs> Thanks for everything and all that bollocks. <laughs> and then, of course, it comes out the, the very next day that, oh, yes, Cody is, in fact, going back to WWE. Like, it's not official, but all the rumors are that like Cody's WWE bound. Mm. Then, of course, you get there. Seth Rollins hasn't got a match for WrestleMania. Where's this going? Yeah. Vince gives him his mystery opponent. You're there, WrestleMania 38. I'm in my pants on the sofa. <laughs> 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 it's going on. <laughs> and then Kingdom starts playing, and there comes Cody out of his Cody-tron. Is it the Cody Vader? Cody Vader. Cody Vader <laughs> pops out, wins his WrestleMania match. Cody Rhodes is, in fact, back in WWE. Where were you, Jackins, when that happened? That mm-hmm. moment where the Cody Vader lifted, when Adrenaline by Do- Kingdom by Downstate played. Where were you? I was asleep in bed. (laughs) (laughs) And this will be a recurring theme as we talk about cultaholic.com throughout the year. (laughs) Jack Atkins, present once again for a major breaking story. So so the way it works on the website is Aiden's full-time on the website five days. I'm on the website three days, and then the rest of the time is picked up by Lewis House, Jack King, and uh, Justin Henry off America. So with the pay-per-views, it's usually I'll cover the big four of Impact, the big four slash five of AEW, and the Ring of Honor shows live. Aiden will do the WWE shows live. And then if it's on a Sunday night, Aiden will take the Monday off and I'll run the site, et cetera, et cetera. So we have to tag in and tag out. But yeah, woke up the next day, he's like, oh, Cody's back. Oh, he's still Homelander. He's got the music. He's got the Cody Vader. He's getting cheered. Mm, it was okay. incredible. It was cool. It was. I think it was one of those where we joked in the hours before it about like because it hadn't been confirmed that he was there. No, yeah. like there'd been no, no confirmation. But it was like everybody put two and two together, and I thought, oh my god, there's the temptation just to troll and send out Goldberg or something. <laughs> Shane. Or Sh- <laughs> Shane. Why not? <laughs> But the uh, but yeah the the reaction when it happened that oh, yes of course it is of yeah. course and you know what what a what a kickoff for Cody blinder of a match out of nowhere at WrestleMania and then he and Seth Rollins just have themselves banger after banger after banger until uh, it all went a little bit skew if in June didn't it well yeah his pack his, his pack just explodes <laughs> <laughs> there he was doing weight apparently on the Thursday and while Hell in a Cell was on the Sunday in June his pack just pops off like 
we're all sat there watching it, and then it's when okay, okay, he's wrestling like, because we were like we knew he was hurt, mm. and this isn't like a, a a nonsense injury. Like this is quite a this is this could quite be quite a bad injury, the one that you would take a long spate of time off for. But this was a hell in a cell event which had no title matches. If if memories, maybe one title match if memory serves. But Seth versus Cody was your main event. Yeah, of an otherwise quite thin show. And Cody was being advertised for it. His face was on the posters. His face was on the seats. And we're like, there's, how are they going to get around this? They didn't. Cody went out and wrestled. And we watched as he got into the cell. And he took off his coat. Yeah. And just all purple, all the way around where his peck had just been ripped off the bone. And he wrestled with that ripped peck. And not just wrestled. It was a fucking stonker of a match. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Did, did it get the, the hallowed Melter five star? I think it did. Yeah. It's arguably like match of the year for a lot of people. And it will it will put him in good stead with WWE management at the time, because obviously Vince McMahon, the head of WWE, would have been like, he's tough. He'll give it all for the company and he'll still perform. What a showman. <laughs> so even though it wasn't a star making performance, it could be argued it was a star making performance for Cody. Because it put him in the right stead with the right people. Exactly. Yeah. And then Whereas when he came in, it was like, oh, he'll probably have like a nice run and then bubble in the upper mid-card scene. As soon as he'd done that for me, it was like, he's he might not be the guy because it's still Roman Reigns, but he's perennial main event from now on. No question about it. Uh, talking of from now on, uh, Aiden, what does it look like in terms of recovery and what does 2023 look like for Cody? So looks like he's going to be back in time for the Rumble. And then there's no like confirmed report or anything, but speculation is that Cody's winning the Rumble. Yeah. And looks like he'll go on to win the title that his dad never did, win the WWE Championship. Do it for Dusty. Do it for America. Make it the Winged Eagle title again, then but, do it for Tom. Then do it for Tom. <laughs> well, you just want to bring back the Winged Eagle, apparently. He We've talked about it for ages. He better do the coward. Get rid of the big logo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they'll they'll do like a wanky new version. Yeah. I mean, like the, with the new WWE the logo. Winged, yeah. The Winged Squirrel. <laughs> I'm all right with them keeping one of the belts as is because it's, you know, it's it's a simple design, but it's eye-catching. But you don't need both belts being the same. Like you said, I'll one be the winged eagle. Just for a bit, just while Cody's got it at or, least. Yeah. If it's Cody, if he wants the belt his dad never had, but also wants the belt his dad did have, give him the winged eagle and Big Goldie. Let him have two belts. Oh. Yeah. Why not? Make one the universal title. The double crown. Forget the triple crown. It's the double crown. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of belts. He's a lot of man. So he's a lot of man. <laughs> and it's a lot of belts, which arguably is a problem that Tony Khan faced uh, in the summer of 2022 when uh, he decided to purchase a brand new scale trick in the form of the, uh, the, the, the dropping off Ring of Honor wrestling promotion. What is this about, Aiden? I mean, speaking of a lot of man. <laughs> Tony, <laughs> Tony Khan. Big TK, thanks for the checks, mate. Big, big bollocks over there. <laughs> <laughs> big bollock Tony. But it was, like, it's, it's March. He just sort of, he teases the week before, or a few days before he's got it, he's got a big announcement. We're all speculating that he's secured rights to a streaming service, maybe like the rights to an old Japan library, so you've got all the Basawa matches and all of this sort of stuff. Mm. And then he, he just turns up on Dynamite. Your opens Dynamite says Shane isn't here. And that, <laughs> Shane's not here. <laughs> and that he is the new owner of Ring of Honor. Just, which basically comes after Sinclair Broadcast Group, um, the previous owners, have sent the um, sent the promotion on hiatus. 
basically it's a, it's a money pit and their whole idea was having the promotion and putting on their regional stations and their networks and it just wasn't cost effective anymore the brand basically looks like it's dead I mean we released a rise and fall of Ring of Honor video on the Cultaholic YouTube channel thinking Ring of Honor's finished but no nine nine months on yes that, that's a very simple maths thing but <laughs> <laughs> nine months on it's still going and looks like we're going to get a ring of well we're getting a ring of honor tv deal mm. through honor club he's done three pay-per-views and they were all pretty good pay-per-views i've had arguably the trilogy of the year going by jack atkins we just got do he just grunts at it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this will be the briscoes and FTR. the ftr ones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, have you not seen them? Oh, oh. That's that's oh, a review there. Yeah. That's like Dave Meltzer's five starters getting a oh, oh, off Jack Atkins. Oh. I'll be honest. So, like as 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 uh, Aiden has said, there Tony Khan saving Ring of Honor from the brink of extinction, bringing them in, uh, putting on Ring of Honor pay per view events. Uh, a deal uh, to bring back Honor Club has been actioned. It hasn't all been smooth sailing, though, has it? Not really. No. It's it's been a weird one because for people like me, like who got back into wrestling in the mid two thousands and were hearing about Ring of Honor and you know Brian Danielson bleeding out of his eyes and stuff like that. There's that there's still that weight of Ring of Honor. It still has heft, even though it's a shadow of what it used to be. But to the average wrestling fan and this mythical casual fan that everyone likes to bleat about, Ring of Honor doesn't mean anything. So when you've got Ring of Honor turn up on AEW, people are just like, that's great. Where's Jungle Boy? And, oh, there's, there's 15 new titles now. Oh, great. And they're like, oh, why why should I care about Prince Nana and stuff? And it's like... Slim J. Slim J. Slim J. Yeah. It's, I'm, I was made up to see Prince Nana and the embassy come back. But again, it was shown with the second Ring of Honor pay-per-view under Tony Khan's watch because the first one was Supercard of Honor in WrestleMania weekend time around then. It was around then. That was in front of a Ring of Honor crowd. Um, Death Before Dishonor in the summer was in front of an AEW crowd. So when the Ring of Honor originals were coming out, they were just getting polite golf claps, just like, oh, okay. And then Final Battle, luckily at the end of the year, was a Ring of Honor crowd again. It's It's been, it's not been an over-egged pudding, but there's just, there's not enough TV time to go around. And, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't with Ring of Honor. If you ignore Ring of Honor, then the brand's dead. And what have you got? You've got a tape library but nowhere to put it. But if you push it too much, then people are going to complain because they're saying, I've tuned in for AEW, not Ring of Honor. There is that sweet spot. If it exists, would be hard to hit. And it, it did become... AEW became engulfed by Ring of Honor, I'd say, this year. Yeah. It's like the monkey on its back. It's a lovely word, engulfed. Engulfed, thank you. Now, arguably, uh, it could have gone a very different way because before Tony Khan swooped in with the, the purchase, WWE were biting, weren't they? Aiden? Yeah, so I mean, it goes back to 2018 when Triple H's big head of NXT, like big indie man signing all the indie talent, he basically, he, he speaks to Vince and goes, I want to buy Ring of Honor. And there is brief talks and they just go nowhere because I think Vince just decides Ring of Honor's not big enough he wants a bigger company to buy don't know what that AEW <laughs> don't know what that bigger company would have been probably New Japan knowing Vince yeah um, McDonald's <laughs> <laughs> but we'll call it McMahon's McMahon's <laughs> 
Eat my burgers. Some say I'm a Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> where's my chicken McNuggets? Like, where's my football from off of the past? <laughs> <laughs> when he went, where's my football when he was doing the XFL press conference? He's oh, complaining right. about the NFL. And he went, where's my football? Here's the XFL. It's fucking great. So it was a pastiche on Carry on. For some reason, when you said that, I thought you meant the sugar puff man. When he, <laughs> when he was, when he had the Newcastle United shirt on and he had, but like, comes and he it in there. That's what I you that meant. is a hell of a callback of an advert, that is. When you were saying that, I was thinking of Arthur Atkinson from the fashion, eh? Hey, where's me washboard? Um, yeah, because the, the, the day, at the end of 2021, when Ring of Honor announced that it was going into the quarter one hiatus in 2022, I basically wrote, an epitaph for it for the website and one of the things I speculated on is like Vince or Tony Khan are going to come in for this Vince McMahon for the relatively low cost of however much Ring of Honor would go for it's cheap and easy content to put on what was then I think it was just the WWE Network at that point hadn't gone over to Pigeon I think they've gone over to Peacock but it's still WWE Network everywhere and it's easy content with Peacock as exactly well. all you have to do you have someone comb over it make sure there's no music or anything defamatory that they can you know, sensor. And then there you've got it. And then when they're doing video packages, it's like, oh, you need a video package on Seth Rollins. Here's Tyler Black footage, etc. Mm. And with AEW as well, I assumed that it would be just the tape library. I didn't think he, uh, Tony Khan would keep Ring of Honor going as a brand. So I was surprised. Uh, what do we see the new year looking like for Ring of Honor? Because now they've got the, the deal. Well, I say the deal. It's like a free streaming deal, basically. Which suggests like to me that thing. Tony really struggled to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. He was umming well, not even umming and iron. He was kind of alluding in the post-final battle press conference. He was like, oh, Ring of Honor's going to stream on Honor Club, but we'll have to wait and see for, was he saying about January? And he was kind of hinting that, oh, New Japan and AEW. And, so I don't know if he's going to try and get some kind of streaming deal to get all of them on. Because $10 a month for Honor Club is steep. Yeah. Unless you're in Ring of Honor purist who doesn't have all the DVDs, it's it's quite steep. So From an think, entertainment standpoint, even like Disney Plus is what, seven? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, that's all the movies ever. So you think he's either going to rename Honor Club and put more stuff on there or this is just the plan and he's trying to recoup a couple of quid. It's interesting how he couldn't get the TV deal though because for months he'd been talking about how he'd been in talks with Warner Brothers Discovery who has the TV deal to AEW. And I mean... That company's a mess right That's now from, the, fire, from yeah. the takeover. Not takeover, the combined merger. merger mm. That's the one. Like, it's just been, they're, they're sacking staff left, right, and centre. I mean, we've seen this week they're taking Westworld off HBO Max. I think that's what he really wanted Ring of Honor on, but that company's just cost cutting for days. Mm. So he's got no deal, and I think he's just gone, fuck it. I'm going to put it on the streaming service that we already have. I've got to do something with this brand. But it's weirdly, it weird, the more it goes on, and we'll move on to the next story in a moment, but the it, it, more it goes on, the more it reminds me of WWF buying WCW. Mm. Because it was at a time where business was down. I'm not saying AOW's business is down, but it was a time where business was in flux. It was a time where generally wrestling viewership was down. Mm. And there was a lot of money being spent on other things. The XFL and WrestleMania 17 at the time. And then this opportunity comes by for Vince to buy his competition in amongst all of this other stuff going on, and he does it. 
And for better or for worse, he does it. And he has this, and there's this, the month in the classic SmackDown review, we go into it week to week and there is this, there is such a growing pain. We're trying to find where this fits. The idea was to have a WCW flagship show away from the WWF, similar to what AEW wanted to do with Ring of Honor, but then found they couldn't get the coverage they needed. So ended up having to incorporate it into the current product, which is what AEW's had to do. And now they've maybe got an out with this streaming show that we'll see Ring of Honor leave and AEW rosters breathe a sigh of relief again. Yeah. But it, the more it carries on, the more it reminds me of that. It's it's one of those, isn't it? Because they, they haven't disclosed how much Khan actually bought Ring of Honor for. We just know it's less than four million. And he's been touting about the successes of the pay-per-view show, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's at least made his startup costs back. So... And, you know, he's got very deep pockets anyway. So I don't think this is going to be like a financial drain on him, but it is not striking while the iron's hot because the iron's not really been hot on Ring of Honor for years, but it's trying to just get something done with it. It feels very much just Tony Khan is doing what Tony Khan does sometimes and sort of goes back into when he was a teenager for what do I really, really want? Mm. He's got a really want Ring of Honor. We're going to get Slim J back, kids. Yes. <laughs> and all this other stuff. He's just trying to... It's, it's basically just his plaything a little bit, really. Yeah. There's a lot of things that uh, teenage wrestling fans really, really want to see. Uh, one of them was a return of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And Aiden, we got that this year. And it still feels weird to even say it. It's even weirder in the sense of it's not the biggest story of the year. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) It should be the biggest story. Any other year, without a doubt, this would have been the biggest thing. But when we were putting together the top 10... We almost forgot about it. Yeah, we did. And then we went, oh, crap, Austin, yeah. (laughs) Like, main event of WrestleMania. Austin's been gone for 19 years by this point. Retires at WrestleMania 19 after losing to The Rock. He's, he's next just knackered. Mm. It's been knackered since like the 90s yeah. as well. Bless him. Yeah, and 97, then, wasn't it? Well, you, you'll be coming up to it soon in the classic Raw review. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 oh, we will. No, we won't, because as we all know from listening to the classic Raw review, Steve Austin is a good hand in the mid-card. He's good hand in the mid-card. Not our words, Austin. the words of Vince McMahon. Spoilers, in... spoilers, okay. <laughs> yes, he's I a sh- good hand in the mid-card okay, and nothing more. Rampant speculation at this point. <laughs> but yeah, so 97's when uh, Owen Hart botched the sit out five under tombstone kind of deal. So his his neck his neck was pagged for the height of his run and the height of his powers and the height of the attitude era. But yeah, like you said, WrestleMania nineteen loses to the rock and then just rode off into the sunset and well, on a quad bike and didn't lace up his boots again. And and in true wrestling and an unusual wrestling style rather, they kept us guessing about there was two big returns going into WrestleMania that were speculated, the rampant rumors, and it was Steve Austin and it was Vince McMahon. And they kept us guessing as to whether or not they would wrestle again all the way up to the bell at the beginning of each individual match. <laughs> yeah, like all we've actually got is Kevin Owens like just disparaging Texas every week. Mm. Texas is the worst place to live. He comes out with his sideways cowboy hat just about how Austin's rubbish. <laughs> and then he invites him to be on the Kevin Owens show. And we're all thinking, okay, this might go where I think it's going. This might lead to a match. Everyone's thinking it might lead to a match, but there's always that little bit of doubt. Mm. Austin comes out at WrestleMania, main event segment, 
does all his what stuff. Doesn't flip the doesn't flip the middle finger because he's not allowed to. He <laughs> uh, just puts his fist up. Takes the mick out of Kevin Owens for ten minutes. Kevin Owens goes, "Screw you, you little bastard!" <laughs> and then next thing we know, challenges him to a no holds barred match. And then Austin goes, "Okay." I'll fight you with it. But he milks it, doesn't he? He milks it for about five minutes, it feels, before he gives an answer. Asking what the crowd, what they want. Mm. Do they want to see Austin wrestle? Of course, they'll go, (laughs) no, thank you. Just one phone, just go, (laughs) tired. Just one ostrich from Family Guy. (laughs) Aha! (laughs) Be there five hours, Vince. Who the hell? I want a hot dog and a kit. (laughs) When it goes to reporting something like that, let's reflect on, you know, behind how the sausage is made once Mm. again. Yeah. because the speculation was so all over the place from multiple sources. I remember that um, a, a lot of news outlets really got it in the neck for for winding up and for what was essentially a, a, a news article, a, a story that wasn't official right until the bell time. But it's one of those, like, Austin hadn't wrestled for 19 years. I'm sure every year for the preceding 19 years, there were rumors at WrestleMania time he was going to lace up his boots again like we, we all thought he was actually going to wrestle Punk in what 2011 didn't yeah. we so when it comes to Wrestlemania time it was one of those it's like oh there's the Austin rumours again oh they are in Texas he'll probably just come out do a stunner and have a beer but for him to actually wrestle a match it's like oh they're giving consideration to it but even then at the time I was like eh, it probably won't happen hasn't happened yet I don't think it will happen now and then once again, WrestleMania, I was asleep. And then I woke up the next day and I was like, oh, oh, Steve Austin's back. <laughs> right, I'm going to watch this. He and, rocked up and had a banger as well. Yeah, he didn't look like he'd missed a beat. Um, obviously, in the Attitude Era, after he buggered his neck, he adapted the style to just be a brawler. But I was surprised at how hard he was going, like probably fighting in the crowd and everything. I thought it was just going to be, you know, a couple of bin shots and a stunner. But they had a match. It was a proper match. I don't think Austin would have had it any other way, would he? No. If he said, if I'm going to come back, I'm going to come back at full speed. Mm. be weird if I didn't. Uh, so that was how night one ended, uh, as we say, a banger of a match. He popped up again on night two, didn't he? Yes, with the worst stunner in the history oh. of stunners. And this is again to night two in the, in the spirit of night one. A match with Vince McMahon was was heavily hyped. We ran several videos about it. There was multiple articles that speculated on Vince McMahon to have a match at WrestleMania. And it was something that was proved true. Literally as the bell sounded on his match with Pat McAfee. Yeah. And the match is awful, but fair play to Vincent. I mean, 76 years old comes out and just kicks him with a football, close lines him three times, and then pins him. And then you're like, okay, Vince has won. <laughs> right. And then, of course, glass breaks. Austin comes down. The share of beer, as they always do, and everyone's going, hey, 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 that's going to be good friends this time, just like <laughs> WrestleMania 17. And of course, it's not true. Austin stunners him, and then celebrates with Pat McAfee, stunners him, drinks more beer, probably gets quite drunk, drives back away. Drunk driving, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> drink driving. Someone take his breath test immediately. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the again, like how Austin's return was so lost in the shuffle of a big news week, of a big news year. Um, Austin's pop-up on night two was lost in how bad the stunner was. Yeah. I think that was the the moment that everybody gravitated towards. Uh, Vince McMahon, as you say, a man in his late 70s uh, attempting a stunner. And and as I like to applaud good commentary. I like to recognize it when I do. 
Michael Cole as Vince McMahon got hit in the hit low, like fell down to one knee and then tumbled backwards. Gravity, not his friend. Michael Cole going, oh, Vince McMahon's trying to get away. <laughs> <laughs> to which Austin pulls him in, finishes it off, and then Austin stands up laughing his head off at how shit it was. Oh, that was great. He tried, bless him. He gave it a good, he he gave it a good innings. Um, Austin again this next year, maybe? It looks like, like he's going to be the new Goldberg. Whoa. Uh, dash Undertaker, dash part-time guy. Where the rumours are he's been offered a match at WrestleMania 39. I mean, rumoured opponents are CM Punk, who's still under contract with AEW. Spoiler for later. Mm. Um, so that might happen. I think Seth Rollins has been mentioned as another possible guy. Um, but it could be literally anybody. It depends who. Austin could have whatever match he wants. Really, he wants to come back. Omos. Omos. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Trying to hit a stunner on Omos. <laughs> You'd have to practice your, hop, your standing jump, wouldn't you, really? For oh, that? yeah. Jeez. It looked like the stunners they did in WWE All-Stars. Oh, with the fly, oh, fly, fly, fly into the air. Be phenomenal. Uh, as we tease an Austin comeback, uh, there is at least one who, as, at time of recording, it looks like we're never going to see as part of a WWE ring, in, in a WWE ring again. Of course, uh, this was a big story that broke in May around Naomi and Sasha Banks. Yeah, so we had a whole one quiet month on cultaholic.com. <laughs> I was able to go on holiday for a little while. Did you have a nice holiday? And, no, you, you were in for this one. It's okay, yes. Was I in for this one? You were I, in, you oh, were in yes. for this one. It was yes. the end of May that I took time off. Yes. Yeah. So, so <laughs> we've got to May and Jack Atkins is here for a major yes. news break. <laughs> I mean, I took no time off for like the first six months of the year. And then accumulated so much time that for the next six months, I was barely in. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I was in for this one, yeah. So this one just looks like a fairly innocuous episode of Raw that is building towards Hell in a Cell. It's May 16th. And then after the show finishes, we get word that Sasha Banks and Naomi have walked out of the show. I think they actually acknowledge it on air that they have walked out. Um, what we later find out is due to a creative dispute with Vince McMahon, because there's a six-pack challenge to crown the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. Naomi, Sasha Banks' tag team partner, is going to win that match and then go on to face Bianca Belair at Hell in the Cell, which she will then ultimately lose. Um, Sasha Banks has planned for a programme with Ronda Rousey at this point over the SmackDown Women's Championship. But bear in mind at this point, they're both, um, Naomi and Sasha Banks, are the women's tag team champions and on set to have a feud for a month. So they're pretty unhappy get into an argument with Vince, walk out, and then we find out a week later that they've been stripped of the women's tag team titles and suspended. And then for the next six months, we've had reports of Sasha Banks is with WWE, Sasha Banks is without WWE, not without WWE, WWE <laughs> without Sasha Banks. Um, Naomi's just sort of caught up in the, like in the middle a little bit here, even though she's alongside um, Sasha Banks. And it gets to the point where now, December, we finally found out that Sasha Banks was released in the summer. And she's now going to New Japan Pro Wrestling at Wrestle Kingdom 17 in January. <laughs> and will feud over New Japan's new IWGP Women's Championship, possibly against former WWE talent Kyrie Sane. And this will lead into April, where Storm will have a big, really big show planned. And basically the idea is that get Sasha Banks in on a limited deal, pay her a shitload of money. Uh, basically, she's going to be paying more than Okada, which is a bit insane. Jesus! <laughs> and the idea is that that will put Stardom, uh, which is New Japan's sister promotion because they're both owned by Bushi Road, their parent company, 
put them on the map, put New Japan, get them that same sort of mainstream attention as when Jericho went in uh, back in 2018. And this would propel them. And Pooh and Iobi on the side is, at last word, Dave Bell's report that she's got a decision to make. She can either go back to WWE without um, Sasa, which is something that she didn't want to do. She can sit at home and eat cupcakes, or whatever you do when you sit at home. <laughs> um, or she can go elsewhere, maybe AEW, maybe New Japan, maybe who knows Impact, or even the National Wrestling Alliance. Who oh, jeez. I mean, there's, I mean, obviously, when it comes to Naomi, there's family ties, isn't there, Jack? Yeah. Bloodline, yeah. brother, brother. Because we were saying, isn't it, knowing how unscrupulous the wrestling business can be and WWE, you wouldn't be surprised if they may be saying to her, Hey, you know, uh, Naomi, you know your husband, like, who's in the biggest uh, angle and faction in the company? We could just, we could just ruin his career. Yeah, like, I'm not saying this is this is just speculation for me, but it's it's within the realms of possibility that they could play dirty if they need to. So, yeah, I've it's I've almost I've I've felt as sorry as you can feel for someone who's wildly successful and you know, probably quite well off financially. I've, I have felt sorry for Naomi because it's like, all right, Sasha Banks, she can walk into any avenue. She's in Star Wars. She's got uh, outside interests. She's going to New Japan and getting paid more than Okada. And Naomi's just kind of like, ah, yeah, her husband's still in the company. No one really knows what's going on with her. She's kind of, she's between a rock and a hard place. Especially when, as as, as stories have come out and said that, she didn't want to come back without Sasha. She was yeah. sticking by her friend, but now there's Sasha Banks heading off to New Japan. And as you would, you know, you take the opportunity. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'd like to see Naomi back. I'd like to see her back doing something, like getting involved in the bloodline in some way. I feel like the next year, you know, Roman and the Usos have worked solidly for a good few years now. I think there's a chance to add a new element to give some of them a bit of a break and maybe put new emphasis on the bloodline. Maybe Naomi being in there. Yeah. Maybe make Naomi a leader of the bloodline. That's a wild idea, but not impossible. Well, what I was surprised about with the whole Sasha Naomi thing, there was speculation for a while that WWE were just going to completely scrap the women's tag division because mm. this has all come about because for years, Vince McMahon just doesn't really care about tag team wrestling. It doesn't matter if you're a tag team champion. If you're going against a singles champion, the singles champion wins. Mm -hmm. And if you put two singles champions together as a makeshift team against the tag team champions, the two singles champions are probably going to win. So, yeah, there, there was for a while, I was like, oh, they're going to scrap the division. Oh, they might not. Oh, they've definitely stripped Sasha and Naomi of the titles. They might do... Did they end up doing a tournament, was it? Yeah, but it, it's three months down the line, so they leave in May. At the time when they suspend them and strip them of the titles, they say, we're going to do a tournament. We're really, really going to do a tournament. Three months later, they finally get round to the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> like... I don't know why it took so long, but I think well, they had a bit of turmoil that we'll get to later, but they, they just aren't bothered about them, I don't think. They, they weren't in a rush, were they, to, to get those belts back into circulation. Uh, Sasha heading to New Japan, as you said, for 2023. Uh, Aiden, is Sasha Banks' appearance in New Japan going to be the needle mover that they think it is? No. Wow, there you go. It, like, I, I don't know, well, mainly because I don't know how popular she is in Japan. Mm. So, like, it'll help bring in Western eyes to stardom where it'll help. But where that's going to bring in... No, so, so I'll start again. She'll move the needle for them, but will she... I don't think she'll move the needle enough to what they're paying her. Mm. They'll, they'll get subscribers, but I don't think it'll ultimately mean they get the money for it to be successful because she'll be on loads. Like, we don't do exact numbers, but... I mean, it's more than Okada. He's definitely a needle mover. Mm. 
And it's just sort of, because the whole idea was that to build it up in the West and then have this big title, they've got Sasha Banks. But how popular that will be in the long run, I don't think it's going to work. Because it's, it's different to like when Inoki brought China in, was it like 2002, 2003? Mm. And because China had built her reputation on wrestling men, Inoki was like, go ahead then, just go in. I can't remember who she fought. Go Hit Chono in the face. They can't, re- <laughs> they can't really do that with Sasha Banks. They can't bring her in and be like, right, you go in, you go in Broadway with Tanahashi. It's like you said, it's it's for stardom, which is it's a smaller proportion. Uh, than yeah, Japan. it's almost niche. Yeah, I mean, like, but this is but surely, surely Sasha Banks being there is gonna pull it out of that niche. Well, as we know, Sasha Sasha Banks's fans, the hardcore fans, are devoted hardcore fans. But like Aiden said, it'll bring a lot of Western eyes over, but like I said, will it, will it be worth the money? We'll I, have to I, wait don't, and see. I don't think that'll convert to subscription because mm. like I started to have their own subscription service, uh, which will basically will be what New Japan are hoping for in the end in stardom. And I, I just don't think it's going to bring enough subscribers to be worth it in the long run. Cause even after she's gone, she's only there for a limited time after like the hoping that people will stick around afterwards, but I don't think that's going to happen really. Mm. Sasha Banks and Naomi's walkout wasn't the only walkout that we were talking about heading into the summer as uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman had all eyes on him and a flight out of Vegas. Isn't that right, Aiden? Yeah. So we get the late mail around the double or nothing pay-per-view weekend. What we find out ahead of the pay-per-view uh, a few weeks beforehand is that at some point before, uh, a couple of months beforehand, MGF and Tony Khan have had a heated conversation because MGF is frustrated over how much he's paid in AEW. What we find out was that MGF is making in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, but he's making nowhere close to AEW stars, which MGF is, um, who are being paid in the millions of dollars, the likes of Jericho, Moxley, Chick Magnet Punk. <laughs> They're all making millions, and he's not. And probably MGF starts to become more disgruntled backstage, and we reached double or nothing where MGF's sole responsibility on that show was to put over Wardlow, who's been his, pro- well, not protege, like muscle for the last two years, uh, basically make this guy a star. But we find out on the Saturday at the Double or Nothing Fan Fest that MGF is not there. And this is like legitimate where he just hasn't showed up. Uh, I believe someone has sent to L- uh, MGF's hotel room to do a wellness check. They can't find him. Uh, then rumours start to swirl that a plane ticket has been bought for MGF out of Las Vegas to fly back home, um, basically across the United States. MGF doesn't board that plane. We, do, we still don't actually completely know whether MGF bought the ticket himself or whether it was just somebody's bought the ticket for him. But either way, a ticket is bought for MGF. Um, doesn't get on the plane. And he actually ends up turning up on the pay-per-view. Does an aeroplane motion in the opening match with Wardlow, then takes about a million uh, powerbomb symphonies, gets pinned. That's him, Jeff, done on that pay-per-view. But this has completely overshadowed the pay-per-view, and then we get to Wednesday, the following episode of Dynamite. MGF comes out, screams at Tony Khan, calls him <laughs> a fucking mark, and demands him to fire him to the point that his microphone is cut off. Um, and then we later find out that in the days before this, MGF has had a meeting with Tony Khan for where an angle who had started off as a shoot brother brother has become a work, we think. And then by September, MGF comes out in All Out, wins a casino ladder match. 
two months later, he's AEW world champ. So it's been a very interesting year for MGM. <laughs> um, Jackins, watching a story like this develop and, and having no idea where the work begins and where the shoot ends, mm. um, what was your takeaway from, from the build from sort of double or nothing to where we are now? Well, of course, the week of Double or Nothing, I was on holiday. Of course you were. Of <laughs> I was, course you were. I was back in Liverpool because it was the same weekend as the Champions League final, Liverpool versus Real Madrid. But I still covered Double or Nothing, so I was keeping one eye on MJF and being like, right, okay. You were in your mother's kitchen, weren't you? I was, yeah. So on, <laughs> on, the, on the Sunday, because Liverpool had won the FA Cup and League Cup because they're smashing, they were doing the trophy parade in Liverpool. I was like, do I go to it? And I was like, no, I'm going to have to sleep because it was like, there's going to be more to this MJF stuff. He might not turn up. It's not going to be a straightforward just recapping of the pay-per-view. But like you said, everything afterwards, that the um, promo against Tony Khan, we called him a fucking mark. I was like, that's amazing. And like you said, the blaring of the lines, because MJF has done such a good job since coming to prominence of sticking to kayfabe and staying in character, we have been questioning it. And even now it's like, oh, we, but we're like 90% or is that generous? 90% sure that he signed a new deal with AEW, but they're still pushing the 2024 line. Yeah. So, so we know, we know for definite that he signed a new deal because MJF has said so. And so has Tony Khan. Of course, they could be working us, but they said he signed a new deal. But the speculation that he signed an extension, but there's been no confirmation that that's true. Mm. Um, so as far as we're still concerned, we've still got the January 2024 bidding war line, but we don't know for certain what's going to happen next year. I mean, I like that as a story element. Yeah. I really do. The idea that MJF can hold the belt all throughout next year and then get to the start of January and be like, hey, look, if no one beats me in the next hour, I'm taking this belt to Stamford. Like, I like that. And it's in keeping with MJF's character and the, and the journey that he's been on. He could very legitimately walk into Stamford yeah. and then lose the belt on his way out. And it would be actually, you know what? If weirdly, I think if, if come 2024, he hasn't signed an extension and WWE do go, here's a bag of money. And he does end up going. I think him dropping the belt as he's leaving through the crowd, I think that's a, a pretty great way to tie up the MJF story. Yeah. In general, I'd be like, yeah, that's a, that's a great, what a great vision. And then he pops up in WWE and, the journey continues from there. Yeah. Um, do we think 2023, is this the year of MJF? Do we think he is the guy to lead the company? I think it's going to depend on how talks go with Tony Khan because Tony Khan's the booker and his ultimate aim has to be to protect AEW. Mm. Where I think he, he said recently that his priority was to sign MJF to an extension. I think if he's confident that MJF's going to sign, this would be the year of MJF. I didn't think so, but I do think he'd hold the belt all the way until at least full gear, if not until that dynamite right before the 1st of January 2024. Who he's going to face along the way, we know Danielson. Mm -hmm. We don't know who else. Um, but then it becomes the question of who is he going to drop the belt to? And of course, we don't we don't know right now. It could be a year away. Eddie Kingston. We're hoping Eddie Kingston. There's a few names that we bounced around in the office upstairs. You said Eddie Kingston. Yeah, e even if it's just for a week. Just to be like, oh, it's it's the the blue collar guy from from the streets of New York finally getting his moment in the limelight. It's Grado winning the ICW title. Exactly, mm -hmm. but not as important as Grado winning the ICW. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think after his performance the other week, 
think Ricky Starks could be the guy. Yeah. yeah. And I love the idea. This is another thing that we talked about as well as Eddie Kingston. The idea of Ricky Starks losing that match at Winter is Coming just the other week. And then the year is spent with him like earning his stripes to be legitimate, legitimately in the main event. Yeah. And then winning the belt at the end of that year. Like 12 months after his first go, he gets another go, by which time he's matured. He's beaten some big names and big heavy hitters. And, and the crowd are ready for him anyway. Yeah. But they're extra ready for him to beat MJF. If if I was Tony Khan, though, I'd be throwing as much money at MJF as possible. He's, what, 24? Mm. Yeah. Something stupid. He's unquestionably the best promo on the planet at the moment. And it's, it's one of those because he's wrestled so rarely they've kept him as an attraction when he does go you forget how good of a wrestler yeah. this kid is I think he's had eight matches this year and that's it and two of them were against Sean Dean I think <laughs> the captain <laughs> but it's phenomenal I mean look at the the, the stuff he did with Punk like the dog yeah. collar match it, he's another match of the year candidate exactly he's 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 the he's not Lex Luger, but he is the total package. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Lex Luger? Let's be honest. Hmm. Who else can be Lex Luger? You got a shout out from Lex Luger last year. That was last year. Tell a lie. Oh. MJF turns up and tells Sting like you and your friend in his wheelchair. You're like Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> he does like to go for the jugular sometimes. Um, it's been a year of signings for AEW. Uh, once again, another year spent boosting their roster with uh, some younger names, which are coming through. We're going to talk about some of those um, more obscure signings uh, with Jack. Atkins in a little bit. Um, but what a few months Jeff Hardy spent on the AEW payroll uh, from being ousted from WWE, well, not being ousted, by leaving of his own accord of WWE in March, mm. uh, many sort of treating him as a martyr for it, to where we're at now with Jeff Hardy. Aiden, talk us through it. Yeah, so December 2021, at the end of the year, Jeff Hardy's in WWE just doing mid-card rubbish where he's, he's teamed with Drew McIntyre the wasn't time. there talk of something with him and Roman Reigns though or did I make that up I can't remember I might have made that it's up it's been a long year it might have been fantasy booking my own head there <laughs> Jeff Hardy and Roman Reigns with the title we get in December 2021 Jeff Hardy's doing mid-card shit <laughs> in like in WWE's he's doing a house show he's teams with Drew McIntyre that he just skips out of the arena halfway through with a match he's just gone isn't like, he I remember it was just like wow everyone's like what Hell's going on then? Jeff's history of alcohol and drug abuse um, is everyone knows about it. It's been written about everywhere. Uh, we all think, oh no, it's Jeff having another episode. Yeah. Um, and it's we find out that his drug test results come back negative, but this comes after WWE have said you're on something. You either go to rehab or you're getting sacked, and WWE ultimately fire him. Um, of course, that starts straight away the rumours that he's AEW bound because, of course, his brother Matt Hardy's in AEW. Um, John Laurinaitis, who at the time is the head of talent relations, then tries the charm offensive way, offers Jeff Hardy a spot in the Hall of Fame. Jeff Hardy turns it down and says, no, I want my drug test results. And he turns it down because he wants to go with Matt. Of course, the Hardy was one of the best tag teams of all time. And then everything goes a little bit quiet with Jeff. The, the speculation keeps tumbling along as we get through Cody, as we get through Ring of Honor and all the <laughs> other stuff. And then we hit March 9th. Jeff Hardy's in AEW making the save for his Matt Hardy. Jeff Hardy's making the save for Matt. Makes the save. They have a big long hug. We have a lovely moment. And then Jeff just goes bananas for two months, jumping off stuff to the point where we get a double or nothing where it's the Hardys versus the Young Bucks. What we find out 
before the show is that Jeff was a mess backstage and that he's then not loopy in the match with the Young Bucks. So there's a lot of concern for Jeff. Um, he's off TV for the next few weeks. And then, un unfortunately, we hit Monday, June 13th, where we we find out late afternoon, which turns out to be 10 a.m. in the morning, Jeff Hardy is pulled over while driving down a motorway or highway, as they're called in America, I think. Mm. He's pulled over, charged with driving under the, under the influence, driving with a revoked or suspended license and violating restrictions placed on his license. Um, calls about Hardy's driving were like he was weaving across lanes, driving significantly under the speed limit. And then as part of the arrest footage, he admits to drinking um, double shots of fireball whiskey before he gets behind the wheel of the car. Um, and he also said he had an upcoming brain scan. So he's basically the idea is like carrying on with my injury from double or nothing. And after all of this, it, it goes a little bit quiet, but then Tony Khan announces that Jeff Hardy is suspended without pay by AEW. Um, he has to enter rehab, which he's since done and completed. Um, and now he's got to maintain his sobriety. And basically, Jeff Hardy today is he's got his legal issues regarding his arrest, basically. The case has been delayed three times, and at the time of recording, um, his pre-trial hearing has been delayed again because he's pleaded not guilty, and his defense are still investigating what to do, basically. Uh, Jack, do we see Jeff Hardy back in AEW at any point, do you think? I think we do. I don't want him to. Mm. And this isn't based on any opinions of him as a wrestler. It's just like, I just he's made his money. It's, it's It seems to be one of them with some wrestlers that, with again, without actually knowing, but it just seems like the pressures and the grind, et cetera, just wears some people down. And like we said, time and time again, unfortunately, Jeff succumbs to his addictions and substance abuse issues. And it's got to the point where you just feel like, mate, just just go home, make art, make music. Drive just your dirt bikes. Drive your dirt bikes, play with your dog. You're in your 40s now. Your, your legacies are sure. Just, just, just go home and be a family man, as Guile once said. <laughs> <laughs> you just, yeah, you want him just to, to slow down completely, um, because we only because you care about him because he's he's his mark within the wrestling history is indelible, and uh, and he'll always have a place in in a Hall of Fame, multiple Hall of Fames, no doubt with yeah. the Hardys. It's just a shame that we. I don't think we'll ever comfortably get to see a Hardy's run again. I think he'll always be in the back of our minds, like, is Jeff all right? Because this happened so many times. What's funny is, um, it's not funny, it's quite sad, is that we came in this morning of the recording, Aiden, you mentioned about the court case being put back again. Yeah. And the last, and I remember thinking, I've heard this before, and where I'd heard it before was in an issue of Power Slam from 2004, mm -hmm. where Jeff Hardy's court case for driving under the influence had been postponed again and again and again and again. And I was like, this has been an issue for a long time. It's yeah. 18 years. Yeah. And you just want the guy to be well. You really, really do. Uh, with Jeff Hardy news <clears throat> um, circling uh, around this time, another piece of wrestling news just catches us completely off guard. And I would argue... This is the biggest news of the year. Of the decade? The biggest news of the decade. If not the last 40 years since this particular individual bought WWE. The retirement, the stepping down of Vincent Kennedy McMahon from the company that he, we all thought he would just die running. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, talk us through it, Aiden. So this one's going to be a long one. 
That's for fine. The lot to get through. Where was Jack Atkins when this story broke? He was in the office, presumably. I was on holiday for this, and Jeff Hardy. If if anyone's seeing the video footage of this, they'll see me get out my phone. It's because I've got on my diary. I was like, where was I for these? It's like I'm pretty sure I wasn't around. Yeah, this was the week that I went back to Liverpool to see Elton John. So I was having a lovely week off. And I was like, oh god, oh oh god, oh god, oh, oh god. Hi, mum. Yeah, I'll have a chippy tea. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and, and it was particularly bad for me because Justin Henry, our esteemed American writer, also contributes on the website. He was off this week as well, so it's literally just me on my lonesome, me and Lewis, um, trying to charge in Jack, trying to charge through all of this stuff. Basically, a little inside baseball is a lot of the stories that break for us tend to happen after we're finished work, a lot of the stuff. Because of the time difference yeah. in America. Yeah. You know, the stock markets don't really close in the States until we are in our jammies in, at home with a cup of cocoa. Yeah, because really we're, we're an aggregator site. Yeah. We, we, we get our exclusives, we get our little bits and bobs, but we're, we're mainly an aggregator site because we have to, like we said, we're, when we're going to bed and having our tea, that's when America's waking up. So, And it was... Basically, Wednesday, June 15th, I've just finished a game of Kings of War. <laughs> Which we are sponsored by. Use the code Cultaholic and download Aiden Gibbons for your team right now. Blitz Spirit Aiden Gibbons comes complete with ration pack and shotgun. I'll have to get that figure made, really, for my Kings you, of War you army. absolutely have to. It's a tabletop war game. Yes, but, it is indeed. And, and I just get a message of Justin Henry going, Hey, Aiden, you might want to check out this Wall Street Journal article. And I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll go to it in a minute. I'll have, I'll have me a cup of tea and sit down. I was like, oh, shit. Okay. So what, what we find out initially is that Vince McMahon um, is under investigation from the WWE board um, over a $3 million payment he's made to a departing employee who we later discover to be a paralegal who Vince has had an affair with, or not necessarily an affair, well, technically an affair because he's still married to Linda, but him mm. and Linda haven't been together for a long time, so he's had a Because we questioned the Linda thing, hadn't we? Because yeah. he popped up on Pat McAfee's podcast, did mm. Vince McMahon, with a great interview, and there was one point in that interview where he said... My wife at the time, um, my wife. And we all went, ooh. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that's what we all, that's the noise we all made simultaneously <laughs> in our homes. So we, we find out Vince has been having sexual relations with a departing paralegal. And basically, to hush it up, he pays her allegedly $3 million um, to this employee. And this all comes to life through a Wall Street Journal report. Um, and among the allegations against McMahon include that he passed her like a toy to then WWE's head of talent relations, John Laurinaitis. Um, and another thing is that apparently Vince gave her a promotion which doubled her money because he was, she was shagging him, mm. allegedly. <laughs> um, and we find out the next day where I've, I've had a sleep, slept about three hours walking up. Um, and then we find out that Vince is temporarily stepping down as CEO and chairman. And Stephanie Mann, who with Ben in mind has been gone maybe two weeks on her own leave of absence at this point, is suddenly coming back as CEO and chairwoman. Vince remains head of creative, though, and there he is on the following episodes of Raw and SmackDown, making sure that everything's okay. For some reason, you've got mad crowds, despite the allegations, telling him, um, chanting no chance in hell and saying, we love you, Vince, and all that. Mm. Um 
And then everything just bubbles over. We're also thinking, surely Vince can't survive this, but it's Vince McMahon, and of course. Yeah, he just keeps on keeping on. Yeah, like he, he does survive this. And then we find out come the 8th of July that there's more women. It isn't just one woman Vince has paid off. Uh, we find out that Vince has paid tens of millions since 2006 to suppress allegations of sexual misconduct and infidelity. Um, there's four further women that we discover, uh, three further women, sorry, the fourth one is the one that we found out about. But one of the women is a former talent who was paid seven and a half million uh, to sign a non-disclosure agreement um, who claimed that basically Vince coerced her into giving him oral sex. After she refused to have further sexual relations with Vince, she was fired after initially being demoted. Like, Uh, we're not going to name names, but there was speculation about who this was. Yeah. Um, In a further agreement, there's another million dollars paid to a WWE contractor over unsolicited nudes from Vince McMahon that he sent. Um, And there's another a million pounds paid to a former manager in the company just because... Um, she's had a relationship with Vince McMahon. Um, this all ticks over for another couple of weeks. Vince remains in charge of WWE Creative. And then suddenly, at about <laughs> 9 o'clock on, I think it's a Friday night, the, the market is just closed in America for the weekend. Friday, July 22nd, we find out that Vince McMahon is retiring and resigning as WWE and CEO and chairman and is gone from WWE for immediate effect. This was such shocking news that I thought it was a Mad Kurt tweet. Me too. Yeah, I thought um, I thought this was a Mad Kurt one because we had the thing shared in the in the group Slack, and I was like, oh, okay, that's funny. Well, you know, oh wait, no, it's got the tick. Oh, oh wow, Friday night, like Alex and I had maybe got in, got maybe an hour into an episode of was it Game of Thrones maybe or something we were watching again. And then my phone's going ding, da, ding, da, ding, da, ding. And she's like, oh, what's happening? I said, oh, it's just a bit of work stuff. I might have to nip away and deal with. And said, what is it? I said, oh, Vince McMahon's just retired. She went, holy shit, <laughs> right. Like, and, and I love my wife to be, because like, she gets it. Mm. She goes, oh, this is big shit. I said, yeah, it is. I might need to jump on this yeah. uh, in some way. And so all of a sudden, like, we're, that night, I remember Adam Pachiti went live with our, on our YouTube channel. And there was a group of us feeding news as we were getting it, tweets from people, all of this stuff breaking. And and it, from there, like, the speculation goes wild as to what's happening next because it's the same night as Friday Night Smackdown. I don't know whether they're in your notes. But this is the, this is the mental thing that we have. So immediately after this, we find out Lesnar's walked out. That's Brock, it, yeah. Brock Lesnar's gone. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we find out through your sources, Tom, that Goldberg was going to be Lesnar's emergency replacement at SummerSlam. There was, because, yeah, that Goldberg was being primed. Yeah. If Lesnar wasn't going to come back from his walk, they were going to pop Goldberg in there to face Roman Reigns instead at SummerSlam. So, like, every, like, within, this, is, this has gone from nice, quiet Friday night to, like, Vince is gone and SummerSlam is in jeopardy. Within, like, an hour, like, naught to 60. Yeah, I mean, like, for a, for a tidbit is, 
the big story for us wasn't Vince retiring. It was Lesnar walking out. People were more interested in it. It was more the effect. So that's from coldholic.com. More yeah. people wanted to hear about Lesnar walking out. And of course, it means nothing in the end because Lesnar rocks up at the main event of SmackDown after. I, th- I think it was Vince had basically told him to calm down. Mm. And Lesnar's gone, okay, I'm going to make a shitload of money. I think I'll go back in. I <laughs> um, think I'll pop back. Yeah. And then I mean, in the days following, Nick Card and Stephanie McMahon are appointed co-CEOs of WWE. Triple H, before Vince's retirement, is appointed head of talent relations, and then three days later is appointed head of creative, which then gets walked into his chief content officer now. Um, one of the things that is basically transformed since then is WWE. It is yeah. now Triple H's company from top to bottom, essentially, on the, on the wrestling TV side. I do remember um, Vince, so Triple H speaking to the Performance Center, and there was a story that came out where he told people at the Performance Center, quote, I'm back. Yes, yeah, was that, that. And Jack, was that before? I, the, think, I think it was because he, he'd had his cardiac event and was taking kind of time away, hadn't he? And he was just slowly and surely coming back bit by bit. But he had given, like, I'm not sure if it was a rah-rah speech to them, but he, he'd intonated that he was back. And then the, the thing that we've kind of glossed over is amongst all this, the, the first person to go was John Laurinaitis straight away was yeah. was kicked and then with Vince it was like oh he's it felt like he was being told he was resigning that's what it felt like to me oh you're retiring now Vince because as we've heard in the weeks coming like the week the weeks before we were recording he, he kind of wants to come back yeah so what happens is we find out that there's the whole thing is as a WWE board investigation in the end, we discover that Vince has paid $14.6 million to suppress these allegations of sexual misconduct and infidelity. He's paid a further $5 million to the Donald Trump Foundation, the former United States president, um, to cover to basically pay for his appearances on Raw in 2007-2009 with Battle of the Billionaires, all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and we've reached the point now where in December, suddenly there's another Wall Street Journal article where a further allegation of sexual misconduct has come out against Vince, where this one is sexual assault against the manager of a resort. I think it was like a like a masseuse. A it was a it was a spa resort. A yeah. Spa resort. I was close. Yeah. Um, it re- I chatted to the former WWF referee where there's there's been allegations stretching back thirty years that Vince raped her, uh, where a lawyer for her is demanding eleven point seven five million dollars, but amongst all this there's a report that Vince is planning to try and come back to WWE. The reception on Wall Street wasn't positive. The reception within WWE hasn't been positive. And from fans hasn't been positive. Because essentially the whole issue with Vince's payment and why he had to leave was he, he made the payments out of his own pockets. But because they benefited WWE, they should have been declared within the company's accounts, which led to investigations from federal prosecutors and the SEC, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission, I think. Um, Vince is basically informed that he has to go. This is going to be really, really bad. Vince agrees. And now he's looking back at me and he's going, hey, this is all blown over. I could have just stayed in power. <laughs> and of course, that's a whole load of bollocks. But yeah. That's what Vince believes. And it, it, as far as we know right now, Vince is trying to come back and he remains majority shareholder. So the speculation right now is, WWE will not be able to sell should a big company try and come in to buy them because Vince will just reject everything. 
and yeah. that's where we're at right now. Is is he still majority shareholder? Is he on the board? He's so I think he shares. He owns thirty two percent, but he's got voting power. His yeah. voting power is eighty percent. Triple A's taking over as head of creative and and head of talent relations. Mm. Uh, Jack, from your perspective on Goldtalk.com, uh, what was the the impact across the scene in those first few weeks and months? Well, when when the actual news came out that Vince was retiring, I of course was playing Minecraft on my Switch, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was I was listening to podcasts, and my phone started blowing up, and I looked at it and went, "Ah, shit!" Actually, opened my laptop ready to do some work, and went, "Oh, Aiden and Justin are on it. Too many cooks spoil the broth." <laughs> <laughs> But it, it, it's like you said, it was the fallout of it because, like I mentioned before, because Aiden covers the, the pay-per-views for WWE and I cover some of the other company pay-per-views. I don't keep as close an eye on the WWE product. Yeah, we've got all nice little sections, really, haven't we? Yeah, mm. we, we, we know enough about everything to keep going, but if there's something like, oh, um, I don't know, Jerry Lynn's coming out of retirement for Ring of Honor. I can get 500 yeah. words on that in 10. <laughs> but it, it was one of those. It was like, oh, Triple H, right? Okay, this is this. Is, there was excitement. There was a buzz because for years we'd speculated that Triple H is going to take over after Vince. And we, we like you said before, we thought Vince would stay in the chairman's role until all three of us were dead. Mm-hmm. Like, like <laughs> it'd just be him. Uh, cockroaches and share that's all that would be left and the mr burns of wrestling <laughs> pretty keeps much on going but it was it was mad because it was we were seeing with triple h what we saw with tony khan where triple h just went i could do what i want now i'm just gonna get all the people who were let go who i really liked and i'm bringing them back and it was exciting to be like oh bloody hell so-and-so's turned up or like the day we're recording is the day after raw where bronson reed turned up to fight Dexter Loomis, who had turned up. And it was just, it was Triple H finally going, right, this is what I wanted for my NXT lot. I'm going to bring back, who's bring back? Carrying Cross, Bray Wyatt's coming back, Hit Row, Braun Strowman, that was one that was surprising for me. Uh, Emma came back, uh, Damage Control. Honestly, there's been too many. Yeah. Like, I can't remember them all. Dakota Kai, Tegan Mia Knox. Mia Yim. Mia Yim. Yeah. Tegan good, Knox was last week, wasn't it? How can I forget about Sour Boys? Oh, of course. Sour <laughs> Boys back. Sex Ferguson. Yeah. So they're all back. But, yeah, there's been, like, a wave of optimism about it. Which hasn't been around for WWE for years. Yeah, no, it's true. Like, maybe, I think, I reckon at least 12 years anyone's been this optimistic, this optimistic about WWE's future. But I've noticed how fickle fans can be because we're a week removed from the, the Mandy Rose release. And there was a section on the internet saying, oh, Triple H, you're still a wanker. And I was like, hang on, let's just, mm. let's cool I mean, it's Twitter and it's wrestling fans. Cooler heads are never going to prevail, <laughs> but it's, it, it, yeah, it's it's been one of those with WWE this year where it's optimism. Yeah, oh. that's the only word. I'm just glad the shows are better. The amount of crap pay-per-views I've sat through <laughs> like, like, on, on an evening during the pandemic and all that. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, some of the rubbish. And now, it, like, it, it's sad, but, like, under not sad, but, like, it's sad that I'm happy about it. <laughs> I'm just like, these shows are good again. Like, like Survivor Series War Games was a really good pay-per-view. SummerSlam, like, um, 
Two Ridge's first pay-per-view would charge. It's a really good pay-per-view. Even stuff which which they've just generally just been shows that just tick along, like Extreme Rules. Yeah. Did well this year. And a big part of that show was the return of one of the people you said there, Jack Bray Wyatt. Yeah. And the 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 build to that, the story behind that, one of the signings that Triple H has made kind of gets forgotten about because they have neither a finishing move nor an entrance music. And that is Rob Fee who is the now director of long-term creative in WWE. Mm. They, this is one of the big issues that old fan WWE fans over the past 12 years have had, where you have someone like Vincent Mann who would just hotshot stuff to pop a, a good rating every week to week to week, and then you just lose the long-term storytelling. You can't build characters because they're having the same four matches every week for ages, and then you have to go, oh, God, let's get Goldberg in quick. Whereas Triple H's... Uh, ethos for better or for worse is we're going to tell some long-term stories and we're going to make new long-term stars so rob fee who used to do stuff with marvel has been brought into that long-term creative and is almost his his um his period of what's it called when you, you start a job and you get three months to probation his probation, probation period yeah was almost spent working the creative side of the bray wyatt return which was the QR codes yeah. and the mysterious websites and the weird messages on Raw that led to that that big day, that big return at the in the main event of Extreme Rules. And we were all captivated. Well, at the end of the day with Triple H, like he was one of the big stars of the Attitude Era, but at his core, he's an old school NWA guy. Mm. Like, look at Evolution. That was just Triple H saying, I want to be in the four horsemen with Big Goldie. So he has that old school head on his shoulders where it is the long-term storytelling where gimmick matches should mean something. He's come out and said that he wants Hell in a Cell to be a feud ender again. And it's been some of the other things with Triple H as well that like he's been getting rid of some of the Vince McMahon psycho babble where it's okay to say wrestling. You can say hospital. You can say hospital. Michael Cole can talk about New Japan and oh. mention moves again and everyone's gone, oh yeah, Michael Cole's really good at his job. Um... It's been, yeah, it's been odd. It's been odd. It's like one of those, it's, it, it, we never thought this this would come, Vince McMahon stepping no. down. We never thought, like, since, because me and you are two of the elder statesmen of the office. We are indeed. Old I, bastards. Old I started bastards. watching wrestling in about 1990. All I've ever known. I was minus six. You were minus six. That was quite cold. Should have put on a coat. <laughs> hey! Um, but all, all I've known is a WWF slash WWE with Vince McMahon pulling the strings. And for it to suddenly be gone, it's like, ooh, it doesn't matter what age you are. We're all at day one together. Yeah. Ironic that the same year, like, and you can compare it to the, the Queen passing, in the, which happened yeah. in this year yeah. as well. Yeah. Like, we've all only ever had uh, one Queen. Yeah, and now we all are going. Oh wow! This for the first time ever, we're all having the shared experience of having a king now. Yeah, and with Vincent Mann going, like we've all had this shared experience of Vincent Mann has always sort of been the the final word on everything, and now this is a a brave new world that we enter into where it's not the case for better or for worse. It's a brave new world because we're shortly when this goes out, like we said in uh, Crimbo Limbo, we're eyeing the Royal Rumble, we're eyeing the Road to WrestleMania, and reports this week have said that. WWE kind of like Triple H pretty much has an idea in his head of WrestleMania. But unlike Vince McMahon, he reportedly hasn't changed his mind 15 times. He's mm. been more like, no, I kind of want to do this, 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 and this, barring injuries or suspensions. What do you think? So, And and also there's that there's that ability to 
to move with the with the flow of the audience as well because um, one of the biggest stories that Triple H is guiding right now is the Sami Zayn, Sami Uso, Kevin Owens tale, which was reportedly going to wrap up months ago. Yeah, it was going to be a three-week thing. That was going to be it. It was going to be Sami Zayn can have a little bit of fun with Roman Reigns and he can piss off and do whatever Sami Zayn was meant to do. But now, like, not only is it carried on, but they're letting it breathe and they're letting it be the front and center that the crowd want it to be. And you, you know, the the only downside to it is the the, the true payoff is Sami Zayn beating Roman Reigns. And I don't see that being the payoff. The no. best I think we get is Owens and Sami beating the Usos. Yeah. And I think that's compared to the how high and how well it's built and how popular Sami Zayn is. I think that is a a few rungs down. But regardless, I love the fact that they let the story breathe anyway. And they yeah. don't just pull the rug when they go, no, I don't want it anymore. Ignore people. I know what they want better than they do. Vince McMahon, 2002. <laughs> Vince McMahon, 2014, with Roman Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. Um, but uh, Triple H taking over WWE Creative, something that we would never see happen. A bit, a bit like AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling promoting an event together. The word of the year for 2022, I think was Forbidden Door. Yeah. That was a word that we that got thrown around, used and abused and uh, tell us talk to talk us through the talk us through the Forbidden Door if you will, Aiden. <laughs> so we'll, we'll hold we'll put a put it on the latch for you. Forbidden Door was coined by Hiroshi Tanahashi on Christmas Eve 2019, he does an interview with Tokyo Sports where it's ahead of his match with Chris Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom 14? 14, I got mm, there. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> 10 points. <laughs> January 2020, he's, he's meant to fight, they're meant to fight each other. And Tanahashi basically says that he will face Jericho for the AW World Championship if Jericho, well, if he beats Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom. At this point, New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW are really not friends because when AEW, of course, is founded in January 2019, it's a lot of New Japan's top guys. Kenny Omega leaves. Hangman, who's not a top guy, but obviously he's become a top guy, he leaves the Young Bucks, Cody. They're all gone. New Japan don't want to work with this company, apparently because they think AEW is going to fail within six months. Uh, the person who's in charge of New Japan at the time was Harold Mage. Hope I said that correctly, but he's in charge at the time. Doesn't want to wait for New Japan. He's then gone um, during the pandemic, partly through twenty twenty. And basically, we get to January twenty twenty one, where this is this is post Kenny Omega turning up, winning the AEW World Championship, said, "See me on Impact." Where suddenly the world's opened up, and then Kenta turns up January twenty twenty one ahead of his match with Moxley, and then. Everything gets a bit nicer. Nagata turns up. Suzuki turns up, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think he did. Kojima's there. And then we, re we reach this point where Tony Khan and Takami Obari, the head of New Japan, are on AEW. And they go, Forbidden Door, it's a pay-per-view. We're all going to work together. And it's going to be a lovely time. And I mean, those are his exact words. Exact words. I mean, we go into this, there's, there's not much hype around the show, to be perfectly honest. Um, and then it was just an absolute banger, like <laughs> like the best show of the year. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. Orange Cassidy, Will Ospreay, amazing. Pack kicking people, that was wonderful as well, winning the All-Atlantic Championship. Clark Connors, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Talking to star-making performances, yeah. yeah. Clark Connors, 
Shota Umino, he was really good. Claudio turned up. Cloud, fuck me, yeah, Claudio turned <laughs> up. <laughs> Claudio turned up behind Zach, because of course it was meant to be Brian Danielson versus Zach Sabre Jr., but Danielson gets a concussion at um, double or nothing, and basically just can't, doesn't wrestle for a few months. Yeah. So they bring in Claudio, who the, the original plan was to debut him a death before Dishonor. That scrapped Tony Khan, puts him black wheel combat club, he beats Zach, and of course then goes on to win the Ring of Honor World Championship. What else happens on the show? Oh, yeah, the, the, the original main event is meant to be CM Punk against Hiroshi Tanahashi for the AW World title. That's announced ahead of the show. But Punk, having won the AW World Championship, then breaks his foot by jumping into the crowd in celebration of the following episode of Dynamite. Um, that match is basically scrapped if we get John Moxie versus Tanahashi for the interim AW World title. Another banger of a match. Yeah. What, what, what else happened? Oh, the the, the four-way. Oh, what, Pac, Malachi, Black, Miro, and Clark Connors? Yes. No, the other four-way. What's the other four-way? I've forgotten. The Adams. Adam uh, Page. Malik. That one. Nice. Yeah. Right. So you've got Gomez Adams, you've got Morticia, Kazuchika <laughs> uh, Okada, and... Oh, yes, Jay White, Adam yeah. Cole, Hangman. Yeah, that match was really good. Ended in horrible circumstances, yeah. though. Uh, Cole just collapses in the final moments, which is... like The one real negative of the show is... At the time, AW's got a bit of an injury crisis going on, as mentioned with Punk, where Cole collapses with a serious concussion and he hasn't been back since, really. It's been six six months, yeah. Six months. So we still see, yeah, so it just, it's, it's otherwise, it's a clown on otherwise excellent, excellent outing for show, AW yeah. and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, would it be fair to say, Jack, that it did suffer from a lack of, like, focused marketing? Yes, because with AEW, they've got the four pay-per-views and then they've got the Dynamite specials. And the pay-per-views are obviously pretty much quarterly. But how many weeks was it between... It's only three weeks. Three weeks, weeks between it. Um, I, I, I was around for this one. You were one. actually here for this I one. I covered this you one live. You work once. I did. <laughs> I covered this one live. And going into it, I was like, oh, let's get this out of the way. No one was really bothered. Like I said, it had been turbulent with all the Vince McMahon stuff going on. Um, and like we said, we just had the AEW pay-per-view, and I was like, okay, let's get this out of the way. This should be a nice palate cleanser. And it was it was class. It was pro- probably was out of the shows that I watched, best show of the year. And it seemed that it took everyone by surprise. I was like, oh, wow. I can't believe AEW and New Japan put on a great in-ring product. <laughs> and it was like, oh, yeah, that's what they do. Um, yeah, it really caught a lot of people off guard, this. Uh, do we see Forbidden Door returning in 2023? Yes. yes. Tony Khan had said, in the, it was Tony Khan who said in the past that Forbidden Door is, it's an AEW pay-per-view. So there won't be Forbidden Door in Japan. Forbidden Door will always be held in an AEW ring. If they do it, a, a New Japan X AEW show in Japan, it would have yeah. a different name, yeah. Um, and they've hinted that it could go ahead this year. I think going back to one of our earlier stories, bringing Ring of Honor into the mix could make it interesting because obviously there's a lot of history of Ring of Honor in New Japan when they had all their eggs in the Bullet Club-shaped basket. So uh, a, a Forbidden Door 2 is definitely more intriguing um, for me anyway. Because the sheer amount of other promotions you could potentially involve yeah. from bring, that point. Bring you know? stardom in. They bring bring an impact and if they really wanted to. I don't know who you'd bring in from impact. Josh Alexander and oh, yeah. Jordan Grace. 
Yeah. What, yeah. If, <laughs> what if we see um, New Japan of all stardom being involved and they bring in maybe that young startup Mercedes Monet yeah. Yeah. to be a part of, uh, of AEW? Yeah. Oh. That's a forbidden door that'll oh. break the internet yeah. at the same time. Can we grab your ball back, please? I've just kicked my ball through your forbidden door. <laughs> and broke your glass ceiling as well. That'll be 20 quid. <laughs> Aiden, explain to me and uh, those listening at home the tapping up scandal of 2022. Right. So one of the things that we didn't mention as part of the Triple H, well, since the Triple H era of WWE, is amongst his signing spree, Triple H doesn't adhere to, reportedly, doesn't adhere to contract sort of sacredness in where he just starts reaching out to AP... Uh, people under contract with all the wrestling to see if they either want to return or want to debut in AW by uh, WWE even by jumping ship. Amongst those that we know he reached out to is FTR, Swerve Strickland. I've got another name written down. Yeah. Uh, Malachi Black, Andrade, and Buddy Matthews. They're the names that we've heard. There was also a talent who's been un, uh, under contract with AEW since the start, but we don't know who, which talent that is that Triple H reached out to. Basically, this caused um, contributes to all the turmoil in AEW that we got throughout the summer. Um, the big bit we'll get to later on. But part of this is we find out that Malachi Black has requested his release from AEW. Um, of course, he's got mental health issues on the side of this, but we also find out that he does want to go back to WWE, where, of course, his wife, Selena Vega, works. Um, a few weeks later, we find out that Buddy Matthews is also taking time off, um, and he apparently is unhappy with the situation a total of two days after he's had a match with Sting and been green-misted by the great Muta. I was furious about this. <laughs> <laughs> so that suggests to me that, like, when that's happened, he's allegedly... Had a cheeky phone call. Paul Levesque has lit up his phone. Yeah. He's played the, uh, the 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 eight bit crunched version of time to play the game. Yeah, as all Nokia thirty three tens do. Like whether it was actually Triple H making the calls as as the what? Chief. I like to think it was. Ah, it's Paul. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? Because um, he's chief content officer. Obviously, the the book stops with him really. But it was it was like you said. AW just gone through an injury crisis, and then they've got Malachi. Black taking time off and thought, oh God, is he going to jump ship? Is Buddy going to jump ship? Like you said, Andrade, who didn't seem happy. There was... Andrade tried to get fired and punched Sammy Guevara in the face. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so they weren't getting tapped up. They wanted to get out. Yeah, so this happens two weeks after Brawl Out, which we'll get to later, where Andrade turns up after a like social media back and forth with Sammy Guevara. Sammy just looks at him and just punches him. <laughs> Now, didn't Eddie Kingston do the same thing? He did. Yeah. One of these, though, you were off for. Uh, I can't remember if it was Eddie. It was, it was Eddie. I was off it, for Eddie. You were off for Eddie because I was at home going, oh, God, I can't believe I've got to do some bloody work. <laughs> Aiden. Um, but it was just a mad time, yeah. But um, the tapping up thing, because it kind of, this one snowballed because it, it was kind of rumoured speculation or oh, who's going to go back to WWE. Oh, someone's been contacting AEW talent and then Tony Khan just flew off the off handle. It, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. It, it was a, you've got post All Out where Tony Khan, on a separate matter because at All Out, AEW have ran, not AEW, AW have ran a pay-per-view that will mention and Worlds Collide 
not head to head, but they're basically trying to take any sort of casual fan away from watching it. So sort of cannibalize the audience yeah. in their favor. He just goes, I'm not taking any of this fucking shit. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, Tony, chill out, mate. But he, he was just ready to batter someone. Because they, they, he'd been trying to play nice, hadn't he? Because was it, when was John Cena's... Um, June? June. July? So John Cena, was it his anniversary or something on SmackDown? And they said, it was it Danielson, Mark Henry... Jericho Big, Big Show. Show. They're the four. Yeah, so a contracted AEW talent sent video messages to be played on WWE TV. So it seemed like Tony Khan was like, hey, let's let's try and play nice. But after this, he was like, ha, you can fuck right <laughs> off. So he, he wasn't happy. It, it was literally the best way to describe it is the war that had seemed to sort of slow down a little bit after NXT switched to Tuesday nights. That war was just back on. Any sort of relations that had fought just get that big wall up again. Yeah. Mm. No talking. Let's just scream at each other and fuck each other. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and when we talk about names getting those sort of cheeky phone calls, you know, potentially contract questioning phone calls from WWE, uh, one has to believe that uh, one Darren Matthews had a call of that similar ilk because 2022 was the year, and this is speculation on my part, uh, 2022 was the year that we saw William Regal uh, let go from WWE, a job which we genuinely thought he would hold until he was ready just to retire completely. He would turn up in AEW and be a part of the Blackpool Combat He would forge the Blackpool Combat Club and then would be written off TV amid a lot of conversation about the fact that his best friend, was now running the the rival promotion, and his son was working in their development system. <laughs> it's, it's it's like you said. It's with anything in the wrestling world. It's it's speculation. William Regal's even said, if you don't hear it from his mouth, you know it, it is speculation at the end of the day. But this is one of those that, if what we believe the narrative of William Regal leaving AEW to go back to WWE is. Even the hardcore AEW diehards, no one's really got a problem with it. They're just like, yeah, you can understand. Mm. He's he come back in as what a vice in a vice presidency role, has he? That's the rumor, yeah. The rumor, yeah. He's gone to work with his son um, and with his best mate. He's always treated him well. You can't blame the guy. It's a business at the end of the day. And and, you know what? Yeah, and Tony Khan is very understanding of the whole thing and he's let him go early uh, under the proviso that he doesn't appear on television. Mm -hmm. That was the other caveat to the rule. I think, is it... Is it within the first 12 months or at all ever? I think it's just 2023. Okay, so it's not like... It's not like Ursula taking... Ariel's voice forever. It'll be January 1st. Just for a bit. It'll be January 1st, 2024. We'll go, here is MGF. Oh my God. (laughs) Could you imagine? That'd be great. Do that, you cowards. Here's the person that punched me in the back of the head. Yeah. Do that. He's my bloody, he's my bloody boy. He's he's come. Yeah, oh, my, my delectable little custard cream. <laughs> His second signing, Excalibur. That's oh, all that will be. The saddest thing now that Excalibur and William Regal are now wrestling as Romeo and Juliet. They're yeah. just star-crossed lovers. Uh, two tribes, both alike. Two families, both alike in dignity, separated. Never destined to be together. Heartbreaking. Never even life. got to do hand stuff. They might. Have done. <laughs> From an Englishman jumping across the promotions to a promotion jumping across to England. Uh, another huge story, uh, especially so for over here. It was announced at the start of the year that WWE would indeed be making their return to do a major premium live event 
in the United Kingdom. And Aidan, what an event it was. Yeah, so 30 years in the making this oh, has been. 30 years of hurt never stopped me yeah. dreaming. <laughs> Since SummerSlam 1992, where Bulldog, rest in peace, brother, brother. Yeah, all you two just give each other we, a little We, love Bulldog. we, love, we Bulldog. love Bulldog. We've never said anything bad about Bulldog. <laughs> So, uh, 20 year, 30 years since Bulldog wins the IC title in Wembley Stadium, WWE decide they're going to head back to the UK. They don't go to London, though. They go to Cardiff, Wales at the Principality Stadium, apparently because Cardiff paid them a shitload of money to hold the show there. And I can imagine as well, with doing the Principality and doing Cardiff, the option that you've got with that as opposed to doing London is, well, we saw it when we were there. Like WWE took over Cardiff. Like you weren't you couldn't turn your head anywhere in the city without seeing Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns or Matt Riddle on posters, on walls, on flags, everywhere. They took over the media of Cardiff. You couldn't have had that sort of ground coverage in London with yeah. so many other things going on. So pick a city, a major city, that you can run. And that's what WWE yeah. did. It was nice just having something not in London for a change as someone who lives in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone's just like, oh, London. I was like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think what, yes, but that is what happened. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yes. So it was, I mean, it, it's this massive show. You've got 69,000 people. Way. Well, yeah, 69,000 people <laughs> there. <laughs> um, there, we basically in attendance. The, the show's. The show was a good show, but there wasn't many special things. But you've got a banger between Sheamus and Gunter for the Intercontinental title, which is a five-star, five-star, amazing match. Then the main event, which the whole show is basically built towards, is Britain's dash Scotland's Drew McIntyre is in the main event and challenging Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. I mean, we we watch it in the office. Um, I watched it with like Jack King and a bunch of the video editors because it was on at six o'clock or something. Mm. We watched it in here. And it was going into the show, I genuinely had a feeling Drew was going to win. I thought it's, it's this massive I did as well. review. I think Drew surely winning. Even if he hasn't for a week, there's, there's, you're going to do the moment. Mm. Um, you've got all these near falls. Drew's about to win. And then the referee gets pulled out of the ring. You're like, that's not going to be Drew's night, this. Solo Sokoa debuts. Drew goes, what have you done that for, you little arsehole? As old baby faces <laughs> do, getting distracted, they're all idiots. Roman Reigns spears him. Roman Reigns retains in Cardiff, which completely deflated this office and completely deflated Principality Stadium. Yeah, it, it bloody well did. And then we have arguably one of the weirdest endings to a pay-per-view <laughs> in WWE history where Tyson Fury gets in the ring and sings American Pie, <laughs> despite an American having just defeated the local hero. And then Drew goes, hey, we're not on the air anymore, kids, despite still being on the air. And he sings, don't look back in anger by Oasis. And we all go, what the fuck's going on? Because <laughs> wasn't that the understanding was that people thought that the page was meant to end? Yeah, but I, because they because they because it hadn't quite hit like the the, the, it hadn't, hadn't hit the, the time, time. Capacity, yeah. So therefore, they just kept kept it rolling, which we so we should have really ended the pay per view with with Roman holding up his belts. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, but we didn't. We had Tyson Fury and Drew McIntyre having a sing song. singing. It was just like okay, but it, it was a overall it was a great show, but deflating ending, and 
I think the rumours are currently that they're going to come back next year. Mm. So hopefully next year we'll get some more nice things. Well, they should. Like I've said many times that although WWE is now an orphaned um, term, WWE doesn't stand for anything anymore. Mm. Traditionally, the first W is for world, not America. And they should, like the pay-per-views, premium live events, call them what you want. They should, I know obviously there's the logistics and the cost of it, but if say if for like, oh, this month the pay-per-views in, you know, Celtic Park in Scotland, next month we're going to the, we're going to Dortmund's ground in Germany and then we'll do one in India and then we'll do one in Australia, one in Mexico and Japan, then it would feel more exciting. Uh, and they would be able to get those, you know, massive stadiums. Um, the one thing was, though, going into Clash of the Castle, we were in, well, heading towards a recession. There was a cost of living crisis and yeah. the ticket prices were ridiculous. It, it was one of the bad things you had here was if you just went through Ticketmaster, the tickets, I think the cheapest ones were like £144. But if you went through with our pre-sale code at the time, you could get them for 30 quid. So it was just sort of the organisation was a little bit questionable yeah it really was because uh, i think it's again it had something on this scale outside of america in so long mm. uh, that there was like some logistical issues and, and stuff like that but i can speak as somebody who was there for the whole experience and it was fantastic I mean, yeah. it was fantastic you spoke a triple h I, I, some i with something that vaguely resembled what was left of my voice i got to speak but we did we did so much like that that weekend wwe did invade cardiff we had the media day on the friday where we had chance to speak to Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley and the Street Profits, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, Drew McIntyre, Gunter and uh, Ludwig Kaiser were all part of that. And um, and it was all that was all really well really well put together. They did a live episode of The Run-In, which is the BT Sports Show, where we had Ariel Helwani uh, hosting an event at, uh, at a pub around the corner from our hotel. It's like, yeah, of course we can go along to that. And Bailey turned up as a special guest. Drew McIntyre turned up as a special guest, so we all got to do that, and it was a free bar. Genuinely, the easiest way to appease the UK media is to give us a free fucking bar. We're good. We've you've, we've got your back forever, all the way down to. And I was, how sad is this? I got really excited about it, and I'm gutted that I've lost mine since. Clash of the Castle beer mats. There were Clash of the Castle beer mats. At the pub where we, they did the running. I was like, nice. that's great. Love that. Did I give one to my dad? I might give one to my dad for his pub shed. But um, and then the day itself, the Principality is an excellent venue. Uh, ludicrously underprepared for the amount that people drink because everything was selling out dead quick. And it was stupidly expensive at the Principality. So that was annoying. Mm -hmm. uh, I ended up being stuck in a queue to get drinks, to get a round of drinks as Edge made his entrance. So I missed the entire of the Principality singing Metalingus because I was waiting to get an overpriced pint of fucking Boddington's or something. Um, <laughs> but I made it back in time for arguably the big moment of the night, which was the Dominic heel turn. Yeah. And, and the reason that my voice was fucked when I spoke to Triple H, because me being a, a respectable member of the media section where we were, and thank you, WWE, for giving us access to the media section, where I sat, I think, behind maybe Sport Bible and um, a few other people as well, a few other like new, notable outlets, stood there going <laughs> at the top of my voice, punch your dad, punch your dad! 
and then followed up with Dom is a sub. Dom is a sub. You kinky bastard. Dom, Dom is, is a sub. sub. And that was where I felt my voice go ping. And then we got ushered at the end into the press conference, which I wasn't ready for. I, did, I knew there was going to be a press conference. Didn't know they were going to bloody film it. So I sit in the you press. You live streamed around the world. I know. And there's, a, there's, there's, this one cl- there's this one photo I keep being sent because I didn't know it was being live streamed. And I noticed there was a camera. Like, oh, what have they got a camera for? And I'm, I'm obviously not reacting to the camera because I don't think it's being filmed. So you just got me like staring into the soul of everybody at home. You just watch and everyone's looking ahead except me who's going, what's the camera there for? What a pro, ladies and gentlemen. What a pro, what a pro, what a pro. (laughs) Alex McCarthy got humbled by Roman Reigns. That was fucking hilarious. Yes, he did. He did. Hilarious. I did a big laugh at that. Why? What happened? Oh, um, Alex McCarthy asked the first question. Yeah. Proper long-winded. Yeah. And and he asked, like, oh, where'd you go from here or something as champion? And, uh, And Roman Reigns just said, acknowledge me. And And then he he did acknowledge you. I acknowledge you. And then Roman went, thanks. And then he took his belts and went. And that was all of Roman's (laughs) press conference bit. He was asking Alex McCarthy to acknowledge (laughs) him. That made me laugh. Because I didn't see the press conference or any of the show. Because I was off on holiday for two weeks. What a shocker! (laughs) What a shocker! So, what a pro thing to tell him. What a pro! So the build-up to this, you'd taken a few days off because you were having a... You took the week off, didn't you? I went on holiday. I went to Tenerife. He was in Tenerife. So, nice. so this, this is my own... Do you two ever put a fucking shift in? <laughs> no. <laughs> this, this, this is my own mini story, actually. So uh, we'll get back to yours in a minute, Atkins. But this is my own mini story. Is So I get back on the Thursday night, take the Friday off. On the Saturday, I'm at the Newcastle United game going mm. to football, which started three. The pay-per-view started six. WWE haven't done a pre-show match all year, apart from this show... And what we also get beforehand is we find out basically all the spoilers about what's happening on the show. Yeah. Um, so I'm sat there at the football going, fuck you, ref, and all this sort of rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> ref is a sub. Ref <laughs> is a sub. <laughs> so we get all this sort of rubbish. And then I look at my phone and we've got about eight messages. People are going, Ian, where the fuck are you? We've got exclusives. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm a, <laughs> I don't know where I'm. I'm, a, I'm enjoying the remainder of my holiday. So <laughs> 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 that turned up, but of course I should get to work in the end. But yeah, that yeah. was my mini story. Yeah, so the, the week you were in Tenerife, I was, you know, I was the Robbie to your uh, J. Jonah Jameson. I was in charge of the website and you were filtering through the, the videos of you, uh, well, Sam speaking with Rhea Ripley and you... Uh, me ruining but his life. Playing a nice little a nice little rib on Cause Sam. Because obviously with these media things that you do, like everyone asks the same fucking questions. And I'm like, I don't want to just ask the same questions. What do you have on your pancakes? <laughs> little bit of stuff. <laughs> little bit of stuff. Don't, don't bring that. <laughs> don't bring that bit of upstairs bollocks to, to the reputable part of my job. Fuck off a pancake. That's pancake day in it. Fucking hell. Um, but um, <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. But... Um, so I always, I always try and make like try and make the questions a bit different. Chuck something in there that's a bit funny yeah. or something that's a bit memorable. So I had this idea to do. Um, well, we had this idea to do two things: to do get the wrestlers to pronounce uh, which is the longest place name in Wales, mm-hmm. uh, and just so just you've got like Montez Ford going Lanfar, and everyone sound like they're drunk in slow motion. It was hilarious. Uh, I got Bianca Belair to recreate a scene from EastEnders. Yeah. For her acting uh, show reel. I don't think she's used it yet, but I'm furious. 
Um, one of the comments underneath that video was, when you asked her if she was going to go to AEW, I was like, you fucking idiot, shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't test me. But then a part of it was we Google, we start writing wrestlers' names in Google and see what questions sort of auto-completed. Yeah. It's a bit of a, it's a, it's a classic trope. I thought, we'll do it. And uh, obviously Rhea Ripley has a bit of a, uh, there's a bit of a following for yeah. Rhea Ripley. She's kind of like everyone's like dream goth dom fantasy at the moment. Quite literally seems. dom too. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. And she's a big cultaholic fan. So hello Rhea. Hello if Rhea. You, if you happen to have this as well as the YouTube channel. She does grab it the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you reckon she'd, I'd love it if you, yeah. I'd love it if you did. Uh, but one of the things that came up in the Google was, uh, could Rhea Ripley choke me? And uh, so I put the question, and it was Sam who was going to interview Rhea Ripley, so I put that in. So then Sam, bless his heart, awkwardly asks. I look, he's like, he was like, preface it by going, just so you know, this is written on the paper, and this isn't from me. <laughs> Will Rhea Ripley choke me? She starts laughing, we start laughing. And I grab the mic and I go, Sam, I don't remember writing that question in. I think you've added that. And he just <laughs> bright red. Oh, it's beautiful. I think that's. I think that video sat on like 400,000 views now. Like it's the most viewed video of the weekend. Good. It's Sam asking Rhea Ripley if she choked him. <laughs> did, did you choke him or not? Uh, sadly, no. Oh. I'd, have, I'd have asked her to choke me if it was me asking yeah. the questions. Headlock and all that. Yeah, I'd have asked her to put me in a headlock and be the envy of all men and women. Uh, but, then, <laughs> but then we got to the press conference and... Uh, so, of course, then I got to ask a question, but my voice is fucked, which we've all heard. And it was the most noteworthy part of a wrestling press conference for six hours. <laughs> because on the same night as Clash at the Castle, AEW presented All Out. And nobody was talking about the show, but for just for the purpose of the story, Aiden... Talk us up to the press conference after All Out. Right. So this is arguably the second biggest story of the year. Mm -hmm. It really should have been number one, but, you know, Vince McMahon. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, CM Punk returns in August 2021, and probably the, the best return of the last 10 years. I mean, like a little bit about me, CM Punk was the guy that brought me back to wrestling, mm. and I think brought back a lot of people back to wrestling. Big style. So we were all really excited. As mentioned earlier, double or nothing, the post episode of Dynamite is CM Punk breaks his foot. Um, but what we later find out is that there's major problems backstage in AEW centered around CM Punk, uh, basically the build of CM Punk's double or nothing match of Hangman for the AEW World Championship. Um, in a moment on Dynamite leading into that match, Hangman Page tells CM Punk that he's going to save AEW from Punk which we later find out was basically Hangman Page referring to CM Punk's real-life issues of Cold Cabana, mm. um, which, we, which we basically find out from of this promo at the time everyone sort of goes, a little bit of an odd comment, but nobody really thinks much of it. But when Punk returns to AEW in August, on the following week's um, basically promo segment of his AEW World Championship match with John Moxley, CM Punk out of nowhere calls out Hangman Page, calls him out for an AEW World Championship match, and then calls him a coward just live on air, which we find out is Punk going off script because he, he sees it as a receipt for Hangman for daring to bring up his real-life issues with, with Cole Cabana, basically. This all keeps bubbling along. There's all this rubbish, people hating each other <laughs> backstage. 
um, leading into All Out, where CM Punk is challenging John Moxley in Punk's hometown of Chicago for the AEW World Championship. That pay-per-view ends with CM Punk once again as the reigning AEW World Champion. We all think Hunky Dory. He's set up his feud with the returning MGF. Here we go. And then Punk sits down mm. at the post uh, the post show media scrum. Next to Tony Khan. Next to Tony Khan. Because I think that's an important factor of what happens next. <laughs> Tony Khan, who proceeds to sit there <laughs> and do nothing. But and stick him. his hand firmly <laughs> up his own arse. Yeah. He does squirm quite a bit, though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that'd, be the, that'd be the hand up his arse, yeah. I think. His own hand up his arse. Yeah, but <laughs> Punk, while eating some lovely sort of muffins or something, which Mindy, he, plug, he plugs the muffins. Mindy's Bakery. Mindy's Bakery. Another plug for them in Chicago, apparently. <laughs> but he, he just sits there. He just sits there. And he berates Cole Cabana, who we will only refer to as Scott Colton. He didn't... Oh, that's the one thing I fucking forgot to mention. Um, so the, the real-life issues with Cole Cabana stem from Cole Cabana's AW contract was expiring. Hmm. AW decided not to renew his contract, which a lot of the talent took to as Punk's involvement in that. Um, CM Punk denied that, and so did Tony Khan, but a lot of the roster just don't believe them that CM Punk wasn't involved. So CM Punk starts a press conference by reiterating that he's not... He had nothing to do with that. Even calls out Nick Houseman of Wrestling Inc., who I believe at one point had a podcast of Cole Cabana. Um, Nick Houseman's no longer friends with him, and Punk goes, you just ruined this pre-planned bit I've done. And then Punk goes after Hangman Page, and then goes after um, the AWEVPs, which by that point is just the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, saying they're not qualified to run a Walmart or a Target. A target. A target. Yeah. It's some sort of supermarket in America. Um, he just goes mental he says i'm old and i'm tired and i fucking hate life or something i'm well, old i'm tired and i, I work, work with, with fucking, fucking children. children that's what he says um <laughs> this this all happens we all just is what my uh, old primary school teacher <laughs> would say on a friday night <laughs> and of course by this point i'm about to go to bed because i was covering this pay-per-view mm. and because you went oh that's cm punk's bit well i'm off to bed yeah. that's all in order <laughs> good night <laughs> And I just went. Can't see anything else happening this evening. I just went. Ah, Phil. <laughs> Phil. I was uh, asleep in a hotel <laughs> in London. <laughs> Woke up at 6 a.m. to have a shower before a flight to Toronto, and I thought, oh, I'll see what happened. I'm Jeff. Turned up. Holy fucking. <laughs> oh, Aiden, take one for the team, Mister <laughs> Mister Some Days Off over here. Yeah. I was like. Ah. Time for a holiday. <laughs> well earned. I would like to. I would like to. We we ribbed all the way through, but I'd like to point out that, that both Jack and Aiden are fucking workhorses of this office. They genuinely are grafters who never will get the credit they truly deserve for how hard they work in keeping the major part of our business ticking over. Eternally grateful. I just find it fucking hilarious that the biggest stories of the year you never seem <laughs> yeah. to be here. What can I say? Basically, for everything else on the money, yeah. honey. If anyone from work's listening to this, pay attention to my holiday booking yes. form. If I book a week off, book that week off because <laughs> shit's going to hit the fan. It's almost clairvoyant. But, yeah. So, basically, to continue is, I, I go to sleep for two hours and think, this could be a big day. <laughs> I go to sleep and, and we wake up and it turns out CM Punk's had a punch-up backstage. <laughs> <laughs> basically. Wah, wah, wah. Which we later find out is 
um, the elite of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega go to Punk's locker room. Um, some have said kick the door down. That turned out to be a load of bollocks. Super kicked the door down. Super kicked it. Super <laughs> kicked party to the door did down. They slapped their thighs. They did. <laughs> Super kicked. Um, what, what we find out is they've gotten a confront about basically what Punk said. Punk's who's in a, who's in a bad mood. Um, the thing that's going to lead to a fight and next we find out is Punk's throwing the first punch at Matt Jackson, punched him in the face. And then we find out Larry CM Punk's dog is in the room, and so is A Steel's wife. So A Steel gets involved. Next thing we know, he's thrown a chair at Nick Jackson, which has rocked Nick Jackson. And then Kenny Omega, who at this point has rescued Larry, ran out the door, given Larry to Mega Perek, who's I think AEW's chief legal officer. <laughs> he's run back That's in. As good as as good as the legal officers for yeah. hold this <laughs> hold, dog, hold dog while we have a fucking fight in there, <laughs> legal officer. He's gone. He's, he's come back and he's gone. A Steel's around Nick Jackson. I must go and save my friend. <laughs> Trying to get A Steel off him. Next thing we know, A Steel is biting Kenny Omega <laughs> just on the arm and eventually a whole bunch of people turn up Christopher Daniels um, Brandon Cutler Michael Lackner's that were they also Pat it, Buck, it, Pat Buck um, it, it all gets broken up um, and uh, Christ <laughs> just after all this stuff at this point Aiden wakes up yeah I'm in duty free I'll just I'll have a terrible yeah. sunglasses anything to declare oh, only that AEW's a mess at the yeah. moment <laughs> you're sat there with a novelty cocktail and some funny glasses on going we'll be phones buzzing <laughs> fuck <laughs> throw it into the sea <laughs> <laughs> and then a few days later Dynamite turns up um, CM Punk is stripped of the AEW World Title, which Tony Khan can't mention why because of legal reasons. Mm. The Elite are stripped of the AEW World Trios Championships, which were, which which reasons. had been born that night. That night, they're the inaugural <laughs> champions. <laughs> the inaugural champions. And CM Punk's joint reigns as AEW World Champion are combined eight days. <laughs> but they do squeeze in a title defense against CM Punk, Ace Steel, and Larry the Dog. Yes. So good for them. <laughs> That's canon. That's one of their defenses. And, and then. It, it, this, is, this is still yet to be publicly confirmed um, at the time of recording, but um, A Steel, CM Punk, The Elite um, are suspended, as are Brian Cutler, Christopher Daniels, Pat Buck, and Michael Nakazawa. Um, the four mentioned at the end are subsequently um, unsuspended a couple of weeks later because just discovered that they helped break up the scuffle. Um, a third party is brought in to investigate the incident, such as the seriousness of it. The elite, basically, you want to find out how that investigation went. The elite are back on TV, have returned at full gear. Um, A Steel was fired, and CM Punk, as of last word, is in talks of AEW over a contract buyout. And the only reason hasn't gone through is a hold up on the AEW side, and Punk is just ready to move on, sat there cracking jokes, doing his MMA commentary. <laughs> so that was the downfall of CM Punk. Uh, and also, Cole Cabana was back for one show. Uh, <laughs> and then nearly died. And then nearly died. <laughs> and now he's injured, apparently. Yeah. Jeez. See, this was, like you said, the fall of CM Punk. I'm uh, a big CM Punk fan. Unrelated, I'm also straight edge. So that's what, when I, I first saw CM Punk, I gravitated towards him because it was like, cool. When he was playing the face, it was like, yeah, you know, it's all about your own personal choices. And when he played the heel with a straight edge means I'm better than you. I felt like that when drunk people have given me shit. Yeah. It's like, oh, why don't you drink? It's like, fuck off, not bad. I'll kick you in the face. <laughs> I'll have a steel, bite your dick. Um, not bite your dick. Um, 
but it was one of those where I came out of this and I was like, oh, CM Punk's a bit of a bell end. It was the bit where in the press conference he was like, yeah, hangman, can't believe you went into business with yourself with reference no one got. And I didn't go into business for myself by going on TV and calling you a fucking pansy. Kind of a coward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, oh, you've just done the same. It seems that just Punk just has a short fucking fuse. And 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 and, uh, and a complete lack of self-awareness. Yeah. To go, How dare you go into business for yourself and call out stuff that isn't happening? Says CM shoot pipe bomb Punk. Yeah. <laughs> like, how dare you? I, I don't think this is, I mean, as much as, 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 as excited as the wrestling world was for CM Punk's return, had we done this podcast uh, at the end of last year, the punk story would have been, the, it was the number one story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And on all optics, you can see, all optics of what we do, the podcast feed, the YouTube channel, the website, uh, the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, every optic, there is a lift around the summer and that is the return of CM Punk. And so when people come out and go, oh, CM Punk's return didn't mean anything, there is cold evidence, oh, cold oh. hard evidence that refutes that stupid claim that CM Punk's return wasn't significant to the wrestling industry because it absolutely was. We you, made a bucket load of money. We made a fuck ton of money. <laughs> we all had bonuses. And uh, but there, and it would have been the same for everybody. For yeah. It would have been the same for, for our rival channels as well. It would have been uh, What Culture, Wrestle Talk, uh, Wrestling News. They would have had a lift as well because of, because of CM Punk. And it was no doubt the biggest story, which makes talking about this all the sadder because he was a guy who we genuinely thought was back for the good reasons and was going to help carry the industry forward uh, away from how we report it, but the industry in general. And it all turned out to be, actually, maybe this guy isn't the the pariah that we've painted him out to be or believed him to be in his absence. It's like similar but different, like I alluded to before with Jeff Hardy, where it's just kind of like, and and with certain wrestling, just like wrestling brings out the worst in some people. It seems that for CM Punk, it just makes him miserable. Mm. From the outside looking in, never met the man, never spoken to the man, but haven't followed his career and all the bridges he's burned. It just seems that it just, it makes him miserable. You just like, just go home, Phil, play with your dog and read comic books. Yeah, it's very much a love-hate relationship. He <laughs> loves wrestling, but also he hates, wrestling. hates wrestling. It's yeah. a big part of him, but he like he dies a little bit inside whenever he does it. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit like that. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. For those of the big stories from cultaholic.com quiet in 2022, year. <laughs> quiet year. Yeah. Bonkers year. A bonkers, bonkers year. Uh, coming up in a few in a few moments, in a few minutes rather, um, we're going to do the oddest big articles on cultaholic.com. So stories that came out of the woodwork that really for some reason captured our audience's imagination. We'll get to that with Aiden in a minute. But mm. among some of the big returns and debuts that we have mentioned over the, the last hour or so, um, there's been some that have caught us off guard, some unusual yeah. returns and debuts, and Jack Atkins has, has outlined some of the those returns of 2022. Yeah, here's a nice little palate cleanser. So, like we said, it's been an unpredictable year. Mm. Wrestling's unpredictable at the best of times, but this year has been especially bonkers. But I've we were going through the timeline of the year and thought, right, there's been some weird debuts there's been some returns that we never thought would happen so i've just compiled a few here so in wwe january impact knockout champion mickey james enters the royal rumble oh what a moment that was I'm yeah a, amazed that didn't do more optics on the website but that was a yeah in in, in the worst royal rumble year of ever to see the Impact Knockouts champion and recognised... Sorry, Impact's Women's World Champion, as yes. WWE referred oh, to it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, it was nearly there. Yeah. But yeah, that was unreal. Yeah, it's a hardcore country as well. I love Mickey yeah. James, so that was... You fancy the pants of Mickey James. And I have for a long time. I will fight you for her. <laughs> I'll fight Nick Aldis for her. Me and Nick are mates. I mean, as if, <laughs> as if she's <laughs> property fucking... <laughs> Kingsland's finest Nick Aldis. She'd look at me and be like, oh, why does... Happy Gilmore's caddy think he has a shot. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, mate. And I'd be like, all right. If I brush the sausage roll crumbs out of my beard, she'd be like, no, no. Um, February, Logan Paul returned to actively compete in WWE. Obviously, he'd done bits and bobs, but I don't think any of us thought, oh, Luke, Logan Paul's pretty much going to sign a contract and have fucking bankers with yeah. WWE. Is it like breakout star of 2022, arguably? Yeah, he, he, he pissed off the wrestling figure community as well. <laughs> because, you know, wrestling fans, a portion of them are geeks. I'll include myself there. And there are figure collectors, a portion of who are geeks. And with the WWE figures, you've got your basics, you've got your elites, and then you've got your ultimate editions. Whereas, like... I've just bought a Macho Man Randy Savage online. It comes with three different heads and interchangeable hands and T-shirts, and you only get them for the creme de la creme. And Mattel went, yeah, Logan Paul's getting an Ultimate Edition figure. And all the collectors went, fuck off, he's not earned it. And it's like, it's a figure. Oh, it? so he gets one before Greg Valentine? Yeah. <laughs> you piece of shit. It's better to buy a Greg Valentine figure. It was Ultimate like. Oh, Straight I... on that. What, with interchanging heads between disgruntled blonde. and disgruntled? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a blonde hair one, a black hair one, and, and that's about and, and it. Blonde hair, blonde hair disgruntled, yeah. blonde hair very disgruntled, and blonde hair disgruntled whilst receiving the hammer jammer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie Garvin's found his way out. The hands of stone. <laughs> so in... And he will, always, oh. he will always have, arguably, next to whenever we talk about him being like the one of the standouts of the year. Greg Valentine. No, no, oh, no. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about Greg Valentine. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, Logan Paul. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I do love Greg Valentine's YouTube channel. Um, but Logan Paul will always have that because he, he hasn't come through wrestling in the traditional way, but he's fucking good. Yeah. Some he's people just good. take to it, don't he's far they? too good. Yeah. He's far too good compared to what he has any right to be. Absolutely. And that's and it upsets people because everyone goes, oh, he just took a shortcut to doing it. Yeah. Regardless of how he got to the destination, he's fucking here and he's dancing and he's great. Yeah. Like with Bad Bunny last year. Yeah. Bad Bunny yeah. turned up and did bits and we're like, oh, Christ. That's it. More, I want more of that. More people that can do, that, that, that have stuff on the periphery that can come in and be incredible wrestlers and respect the craft. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want that? You know, we, how many, I mean, I mean, I imagine there was some snobbery when, you know, Hulk Hogan and friends released Piledriver. There wasn't, you know, the music industry was upset with that, no doubt, when Stock Aitken and Waterman got behind WrestleMania as a song. But fuck it, we could be the better people here and accept that, you know, people coming into wrestling sometimes can be really good. I mean, yeah. but what an album Terry Funk has, though. Shout out to Terry Funk. Oh, Grant, does have was a great... Grant Texan. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think I put on Twitter album. that if someone can gift me a copy of that on vinyl, I will name my firstborn after you. Oh, wow, so, yeah. yeah. Putting yeah. that out into the world. So, so it's some more odd ones. Um, Dolph Ziggler in NXT from February to April, just out of nowhere. It's like, oh, here's Dolph Ziggler. He's in NXT. He's the champion. Yeah. For like, how long was he reigning for? I think, I think a month, because the whole thing was, there's NXT stand deliver before WrestleMania. Where's the thing that? Breaker's winning this, okay. Ziggler then wins. Thinking, okay, maybe it's going to be actually a bit longer. Drops the, um, drops the title two days later at Raw. On Raw, yeah, not even on NXT. But it was... Was was Dolph the first big crossover from main to... Because they're starting to do that more, aren't they? AJ Styles is where AJ Styles has a feud with Grayson Waller for about two weeks. Yeah. Um, but Ziggler's like the biggest in the sense that he was NXT champion. Yeah. And now we've got it with New Day. But... Uh, uh, in March, it was announced that uh, the unthinkable and one of my highlights of the year, the greatest tag team of all time, the Steiner brothers were inducted to the Hall of Fame. And straight away, everyone just went, oh shit, Scott Steiner's going to have a live mic. Because for years we thought Scott Steiner was basically just going on it. If you're saying, hey, you know, Triple H is Stephanie McMahon. Cunts, you know Vince McMahon. I'll batter him. Hulk Hogan. I'll kill you. And it was just like he's never, he's never coming back. And what did we get on St from Steiner on the live mic? He was just like, oh, oh. Uh, do, you uh, do you remember that time where Randy Savage scared a cow? <laughs> <laughs> Over to you, Rick. You can tell that he just been told, don't fucking say anything. <laughs> Tell that story. You know your nephew. We're pushing him. You say anything, we'll we'll deep push him. He's like, "Can't say that to me. I'm big bad booty daddy." <laughs> I'll stuff. say what I want. We'll deep push Bron. So one day, me and Randy Savage scared a cow. Go on, Rick. My son's good. Oh, I love. I love the Steiner brothers. God bless. I'm him. a big Scott Steiner fan. Aiden's gone. Aiden's gone. Because Aiden has to put up with this because on my desk I've got a 1990s WCW Galoob mullet Scott Steiner figure. I love Scott Steiner. So when he turned back up, I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm writing this. The Steiner Brothers editorial content here. The greatest tag team of all time, Jack Atkins. If you disagree, fuck off. Yeah, I think every Scott Steiner article is done by you. Like, <laughs> I love Scott. Oh, he's so good. Um, so yeah, so that was in March. <laughs> April, AW's Chris Jericho goes on the Broken Skull Sessions with Steve Austin. Yeah, that was a forbidden door moment, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, and then like we said earlier, you know, we had uh, Jericho, Danielson, Big Show, 
appearing on WWE TV via taped message to congratulate John Cena. So like we were saying, that they were playing nice at the beginning of the year, mm. and then Tony Khan just went, fuck off. As soon as, they, as, soon as, as soon as they were apparently tapping. Yeah, and the only other weird one for WWE I've got here is uh, Elias returned in October after the whole Ezekiel thing. Yeah, like they, they, this, this very much felt like the 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 beginning of the undoing of Vince McMahon's yeah. work because Vince had gone. Elias isn't marketable. I don't get it. I know. I'll make him a really bland baby face. Yeah, that's the, that'll do it. And then it's it's you know I'm relieved because Ezekiel would have carried on under Vince, and then Vince would have gone. I don't get this Ezekiel thing. But Vince, you 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 booked it. I don't get it. Sack him. Tell him to grow a beard. He's got a weak chin. Why does he like, yeah. <laughs> Why does he play a guitar? <laughs> Christ. I like, the Vince here is hilarious. I like the fact that they had Elias and he played a guitar. I went, ah, oh, get rid of him. He's rubbish. He's like, hmm. We need a good-looking man with a beard and a guitar. Someone get me. <laughs> Someone get me Bougainhagen. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that was the, the handful for WWE. Strap in, because AEW and Ring of Honor had a few, fair few weirds. No, surely right. not. So January, the acclaimed, they did the music, music video for Goth Phase, and Stang turned up. <laughs> Stang! Not Sting, Stang! Stang. Um, you were particularly happy about this, weren't you, I was like, I love Sting. There's Stang. <laughs> Everyone loves Stang. What more could you want in life? <laughs> uh, and then an actual debut also in January, Beach Break, Danhausen. Yeah. I didn't think Danhausen would ever sign properly with a big company. I thought it's it's too weird of a gimmick. It, it's it screamed King of the Indies, which sounds like you know a, a backhanded compliment. But did uh, he's got star power in buckets, obviously, and the wrestling fans love him. But it, it's still a gamble hiring Dan House. It was I still think translated TV. Yeah, it's just. But when he turned up, the pop he got getting dragged from under a ring to just curse people and then walk off. Going, mm. It's just. It's an odd gimmick, but... I love it, but I don't see longevity of it in AEW. No. He's, he's been around for a while, but he's not really... He's not done anything, has he? Done anything. Well, he's got a bit evil now. Yeah. Mm. Very nice, very evil. Very nice, very evil. He's leaning more towards that evil side. So in May, Johnny Elite turned up. John Morrison <laughs> had a couple of matches and then buggered off to Mexico. In... Like they got injured. Yeah. I think, I think Miro demolishes him. Yeah, after, after Joe batters him and then he's just gone. Yeah, he's like, oh, because when it turned up, it was like Johnny Elite and everyone cheered thinking it was Johnny Gargano and John Morrison came out and everyone went, yeah, he's really good. Oh, oh that well, thanks. <laughs> it's It was the equivalent of, this is of the time, it's in Love Actually where Emma Thompson opens what she thinks is the, what she thinks is the necklace, yeah. but it's actually the CD of Johnny Mitchell. Uh, it's that same reaction. Johnny Mitchell. Oh, you shouldn't have. I'm just uh, going to pop upstairs and get something. She rings Bruce Willis and says, chuck him off Nakatobi Plaza. <laughs> Alan Brickman, you dick. <laughs> yes, I know you like Jeremy Mitchell. Um, <laughs> so July, S- Slim J. <laughs> Slim J's had too many references on this on this short podcast. It's, it's one of those. He had a handful of Ring of Honor appearances in 2004 and a couple of Ring of Honor dark appearances in 1718. He's a, he's a, he's a hell of a hand in the ring, but it was just one of those. You're just like, Slim J. I know you especially. Going, Slim what? I was like, yeah. I, I, I suppose we all, yeah, it's like... The sort of piss take upstairs was Tony Khan signed too many wrestlers, but it's like he signed fucking Slim J, like Slim J. Like I'm, I'm pleased he's got a job and all that. But you're like, why have you signed him? It's very dangerous to be a promoter when you're also a shopaholic. Yeah, <laughs> but 
But uh, yeah, also in July, we had Death Before Dishonor, and there was the weird thing where Tully Blanchard had made Tully Blanchard Enterprises with Gates of Agony, Brian Cage, and... Um, Gresham? Che- Gresham, and then Gresham went, fuck this, I'm gone. And um, I was just, Tully, oh, fuck me, I just went mad then. Tully Blanchard went, yeah, I'm going as well. And Prince Nana turned back up and... Like I said before, old school Ring of Honor heads were like, fuck yeah, the embassy. But at yeah. the same time, it's like, wow, Prince Nana's back. I don't even know what Prince Nana had been doing for the last 10 years. Hey, he's royalty. He's, he's got his fingers in many pies. Fair enough. Yeah. Was it at this Death Before Dishonor where you had uh, Dalton Castle and the boys win the six-man titles? Yes. Yes. Because I, I, I realized this. And I, we did a video the other day going through all the belts of AEW and WWE. We mentioned the Ring of Honor titles as well. And the fact that Vincent, who was in The Righteous at the time, who was at that time one part of the ROH six-man tag team champions, was also at Impact Wrestling doing a gimmick where he'd been sacked from Ring of Honor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the same time as being a representing champion in Ring of Honor. Yeah. What a time, eh? What a time. It's Like I said, it's been a bizarre it's year. A weird time. fucking year. <laughs> Talking of bizarre... No Way Jose turned up on AW Dark in August. <laughs> totally forgot that. After no a Jose. short spell in Impact. And not only that, he pissed off an indie promoter because he was booked for a show in oh. Canada and this poor bloke paid for his travel and No Way Jose, without telling the promoter, rerouted the flight from Canada to Florida. So flew there <laughs> on this bloke's money, did Dark, and then paid it back three days later after this bloke had basically shit on you, No Way Jose online it, Gone everywhere, media one. Wrestlers make <laughs> carnies for carny. But it was, I, I, again, I felt bad for No Way Jose because after he got released from WWE, whenever anyone would say the term No Way Jose in Impact, <laughs> Tommy Dreamer would turn to the camera and say, Don't worry, we're not signing him. <laughs> but they did sign him. And then he signed him and then he bugged off again. I thought, Do oh. you think maybe it was like, it was Tommy Dreamer thinking, I'm going to play the long game here. Yeah. Not, then people will go, oh, please sign him, which is a great idea. But then nobody wanted him to be signed. And that was yeah. a shame. But in terms of people I wanted to see signed. Mm. So AEW did Grand Slam again in uh, September. Grand Slam, which? The week after, like, All Out, wasn't it? Ten days after All Out? Yeah, like two weeks. But it was also, you know, a couple of days after I left New York for my holiday. So I was fuming. And Action fucking Bronson wrestled. So for those out there, Action Bronson sounds a lot like Ghostface Killer of the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, He's he's a cult figure in the hip-hop world. I'm a big Action Bronson fan. I've seen him live. He's got a song called The Rockers, where the chorus says, I'll hit you with that dropkick, Marty Jannetty. He's got a song song called Barry Horowitz. He's a big wrestling fan. His nickname's Bam Bam. And when when it came out, Action Bronson was wrestling. Some, like, snobs were just like, oh, who's this guy wrestling? It was like, lad, Lad, <laughs> be going to scouts. I was like, Action Bronson knows more about wrestling than some wrestling fans, probably most wrestling fans. And he wrestled and he was dead good. It was him and Hawk versus uh 2.0. I can't say I've watched it. I was furious that I wasn't there. And he was wearing he was wearing um special new balance trainers. <laughs> and he oh, he was oh, I was yeah, I was fuming. I was so fuming. I was ready to be there going mad for Action Bronson. And he said he'd like to do more, and he does Hook's music, the chairman's intent. And, yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> that's, the bit, that's the bit of news from the year that you're saddest about missing. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I was even saying to Sean before we went on holiday, I went, ooh. Oh, I wish Action Bronson would turn up. Oh, no, I was just saying, oh. <laughs> Sean's like, Jack. There is a Newcastle Jack, airport. Jack, pack your bag, please. Stop thinking of Action Bronson. I'm going to pack me Action Bronson sign. <laughs> I, I was, when I realized the time, I thought, ooh, I could be in New York for 
for um, for Grand Slam, I said to Sean, I said, look, this is non-negotiable. <laughs> if it's happening while we're there, I am going. You can come with me if you want. You know nothing about wrestling and barely entertain it, but I think you'd have fun. And it was announced, it was like, yeah, we're coming back on whatever date. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, son's crying. Nice one. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> me back in Newcastle, tired, just like, oh, great. Now I've got to write about CM Punk. And I should be in America watching Action Bronson fight people. <laughs> Furious. But don't worry, my mood is soon lifted because the Voros twins, the, <laughs> the Da Vinci clown, da Vinci. Da Vinci, turned up on Dark Elevation in October and got pummeled by Butcher and the Blade. <laughs> Oh, they're hilarious on TikTok. Oh, they're, they're, they're I, I just don't follow TikTok. No, oh. never But that was a weird one. Even weirder, November, Jeff Jarrett turned up in AEW. You know how excited you were about Scott Steiner? Oh. Right? This So the, the morning after Jeff Jarrett made his AEW Dynamite <laughs> debut, you walk into the office, you, you do the Jeff Jarrett strut into the middle of the office, and you go... If anyone's got anything shit to say about Jeff Jarrett, I'm going to kick your fucking head in. <laughs> I was like, good morning to you, Jack Atkins. <laughs> so I woke up. You are over the moon. Woke up, checked my phone. I was like, oh, why is Jeff Jarrett? Went, Jeff Jarrett, what? <laughs> that was the noise I made. <laughs> and I can't believe he's still wrestling. I thought he'd do full gear. But now he's just on dark. He was on dark. Sat in the sink. <laughs> like, okay. Um, hell of a hire for backstage as well. He's, yeah. He's doing the, the live event stuff and probably going to sell some of that Jarrett gold, maybe. Um, <laughs> also in November, after months of rumours, Captain Insano returned. Yeah, in a little backstage bit. Yeah, with in another acclaimed music video. Um, because every time we run anything about Captain Insano on the website, it does gangbusters. Yeah. Everyone loves Captain Insano. We're kind of ready for like an in-ring bit of Captain Insano, because we haven't had that officially he's, yet, have we? He's got knackered hips, that's the problem. No, but that never stops. him just wrestling. needs to just chin a few people. Yeah. His style doesn't exactly need him to, you know, do fucking 450s and Hurricane Ranas. Have you, have you Captain Insano sp- walked in and just punched a few people, that'd be enough. Have you seen the Iron Sheik at WrestleMania 17? <laughs> yes. The man who won a battle royal because he couldn't be thrown over the top rope. <laughs> he was 38 at that point. <laughs> it's a hard life on the road. <laughs> It's a tough favor round. So November saw Jeff Jarrett, Captain Sano, and Cole Cabana, his first AEW appearance proper since March, and that was on AEW Dark. Because the first time that CM Punk wasn't there just to hide the contract <laughs> like he normally did. And Chris Jericho, Wink. after going scorched earth on CM Punk, allegedly backstage, went, I want to wrestle, I want to wrestle Cole Cabana. Yeah. Yeah? He's like, I want to wrestle, he's a lovely lad, him. Get him on <laughs> Get that sprightly young up and cover. And then and Nelly, actually, Nelly died. Yeah, so, so the story behind that, in case you missed it, I'll just do a quick cliff notes for it. He forgot his wrestling socks, so went and bought some flight socks because they had the substantial length that he needed. Forgetting, of course, that flight socks are designed for long plane journeys so your blood could circulate properly. They are not designed to be wrestled in because they cut off circulation. He nearly passed out. He laid back... He lay backstage for like four hours and was fed LucasAid to get his electrolytes back up and running. He nearly died because he was wearing... Don't wear flight socks in a wrestling match. There you go. Don't bring a gun to a knife fight. (laughs) And don't wear flight socks in a wrestling match. Well, talking about the dead, the the undead return to AEW in December... Kevin Thorne was in a lumberjack match. (laughs) Oh, and the way that this was announced was so... It was like... There was no, like, poster, no little post about it no tweet about it Mm. I found out probably the day and a half after when Kevin Thorne just went hey there I am yeah 
Mm-hmm. They have like, a ringside for this random match on Rampage. You're like, okay, there you are, Kevin. And there's another one that I've just remembered. Was this this year when Gangrel turned up and reformed the new brood with the Hardys? Well, it must have been good. Yeah, yeah, yeah in AEW. Been. So Gangrel turned up at one point. And, that did, and was there some speculation that put the kibosh on something they had planned with Edge? Oh, no, so, so that was summer of 2021, where ah, it was because Edge did his brood entrance. Yeah. Um, Gangrel was going to turn up on Dynamite that week. And because he told Ross this and then explained that he loves bangers and mash and weather spoons. And Birkenhead. And Birkenhead. But instead, he just turns up a year later and just reforms the new brood. Yeah, because he did it. He came out and did the, the brood entrance with um, the, the Young Bucks, and Brandon Cutler was dressed as Lita, wasn't he? Yes. Oh, but shit, but, Gang- <laughs> but Gangrel had also been at AW beforehand because it's full year 2020. He's in the cinematic match. Which one? Like the Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara one, where oh god, he, yeah. he joined on Sammy Guevara side. You've got the Hurricane on Matt Hardy's side. So Gangrel's an EW far too much for anyone to remember. Wrestling's great, isn't it? It's, it's bollocks, and we love it. So, a couple of impact ones for you. Yeah, go for it. January, Charlie Haas turned up, took on Josh Alexander, was instantly <sighs> injured, and then disappeared again. Oh, but how excited were we when we saw? Charlie, Charlie Haas is one of the most underappreciated wrestlers of part the... of that trials of Josh Alexander thing that they were doing. Like he faced Jonah at one point yeah. as well. Yeah, he had Big Kong, Big Kong in a bloodbath, and it was just like, and then Charlie Haas in a wrestling match. It was just like it's great, great little run for Charlie. It's sad we didn't see more of him. Well, yeah, but uh, as Aiden alludes to there, Big Con just turned up out of nowhere, lost to Eddie Edwards and Josh Alexander in January. Returned in November and joined Violent by Design. Which is now the design. Yeah. Big it's... big Con being Connor from The Ascension. Connor of The Ascension. Connor of The Ascension. A lovely bunch of interior designers now. <laughs> Are they really? I wish. Oh. <laughs> in, in, in March, Matt Cardona with the Digital Media Championship defended it against Little Guido. <laughs> and Tony Mamaluke turned up, so we had the full-blooded Italians in Impact. Impact's the real Forbidden Door, brother. No, it, tru- it truly is. It's got multiple Forbidden Doors. Oh, f- and it was kicked open again in May when Wes Briscoe and Garrett Bischoff representing Aces and Eights <laughs> turned up. Oh! <laughs> Losing to Honor No More's B team of Kenny King and Vincent. Was that, was that, but was D'Lo amongst it with that? D'Lo, D-Lo was Brown. The manager. Yeah. yeah. So D'Lo Brown had been attacked by Honor No More. They put him through a table, didn't he, to write him off as a commentator? Yes. Yeah. That was because also that was some, there were some big shifts on the commentary table for Impact this year because we saw D'Lo Brown and Matt Stryker get moved along in favour yeah. of Matt Tom Ray. Phillips and Matt Ray. Matt Rowald. Yeah. yeah, and what a what an improvement that is. Great Jeez, team. Matt and D'Lo just I didn't get it. I liked D'Lo. Apparently, Impact okay. didn't get it with Matt Stryker. Probably be trying to get with him for like six months or something. But then she Matt, Matt Stryker is great if you want to write. A novel, but you need someone to post a tweet. Yeah, and Striker doesn't really gravitate in that. There's a few times when he was talking, I was just like, "You're saying too many words here." Yeah, and it was just a bit. But no, but but Tom and Matt are great on comms, and D'Lo getting written off, uh, and then becoming the manager. Like, hey, you, you, you shit faction, you. How about I go get my shit faction and we'll sort it out? And not just any members of the shit faction, the least remembered members of the <laughs> yes! shit faction. And then in June. Matt Morgan reappeared, interviewed as part of Impact's 20th year celebrations. I completely forgot that Matt Morgan. <laughs> yeah, yeah Matt Morgan. Matt Morgan. But he's, he's in, the, uh, in the in the political world now. Yeah, he's so a he doesn't need any of that wrestling yeah. nonsense. One so, of the things that we didn't write, though, Buddy Bully Ray is back, isn't he? He was he's an ace as an ace. Oh, yeah, he yeah. did the Call Your Shot gauntlet. Yeah. He won that, didn't he? And now he's... Uh, he's got a main event hard to kill. 
You said that with such a smile on your it, face. It's ten years after Bully Ray, well, not ten years, seven years after Bully Ray was relevant. But he's being fed to Josh Alexander. But still. I'm not against the idea of them bringing in like an ex-TNA guy for Josh Alexander to overcome. And, and you know what? I know I know a few people kind of roll their eyes when he turned up. But you know what? Bully Ray is an, he's a big character that TNA made. Like... As a singles guy, TNA were the only company that believed in him as a singles guy. Yeah. I liked his t- his world title runs there. I, I, I thought they were it, great. But it was just nine years ago. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Admittedly. When I was watching the Call You Shot, because I was calling it live, um, Bound for Glory. Bound for Glory. Mm. My memory's terrible if you haven't already gathered on this podcast. Um, but I thought, right, this is Steve Macklin's list. And then Bub Ray, Bully Ray won it. I was like, oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a couple of weird appearances on the indie world. Obviously, wrestlers will wrestle wherever, but there was a few that really stood out this year. So January, another big story, the world on GCW when GCW ran the Hammerstein Ballroom mm. and X-Pac turned up. Yeah. With the X-Pac music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a great night that was. I mean, top marks of GCW running, yeah. the, running the Hammerstein. That felt like a big deal. I don't know how much they capitalized on that since then. Yeah. It felt like it was going to be... Like a launch pad. A launch pad. But then I kind of see they're roughly where they were before. They did some shows here in the UK in 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 correlation with TNT. Yeah. Um, they're back next year. They're, they're, they're doing Effie's Big Gay Brunch UK. Uh, began with TNT wrestling, mm. but yeah, I thought they would be. I thought they would push them further up. I think a lot of the things that people were saying was with that show is GC people like people who don't necessarily watch GCW went. Oh, it was a GCW show. That's not really good appeal to me. And their hardcore were like you put Jeff Jarrett over, and you put Ru- I think it was Ruby Soho got put yeah. over as well. It was like over Ali Catch. Yeah, mm. like the, like an effing like the two like mainstays of GCW. It just seemed to be a bit flat on form. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't either side. Th- Truly enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, yeah. And because it was the new, because uh, it was in New York, they weren't allowed to have absolute bloodbaths either. Yeah. Really. Was it the worst of both worlds? Probably the best way to describe the show. Yeah. Was Kevin Nash in GCW this year, or was that late last year? Ooh. They did a show in the Motor City, and I'm sure Kev turned up. That's where they booked Kevin Nash to be part of it. I'm not too sure. Let's, it might have been let's, late last let's year. jog our memories if you're watching Shut Up. But if you're listening, let's jog our memories. It's and... definitely not Aiden looking at this film. This year. This year. Hey! Kevin Nash was in GCW. Kevin Nash in GCW. The King of Rock. notorious as Jackknife. Hang on. Jackknife Kush. Oh, he was announced as his own strain of cannabis. Ah, yeah. Of course. Uh, talking of cannabis. No, no, that's not a segue. I was with Alex Shelley. Didn't they ever think in TNA? Oh, yeah, God, yeah, they yeah. were. Yeah, they were. Uh, Paparazzi Productions. Paparazzi Productions back yeah. in the day. So, WrestleCon in March. This is officially the most random collection of wrestlers I've ever heard in my life for a 10-man tag. Atsushi Onita, Colt Cabana, Juice Robinson, and the Rock and Roll Express defeated Fandango, Jimmy Wang Yang, Enzo Amore, PCO, and Barry Horowitz. (laughs) You know, back on SmackDown, just bring it, where you could press triangle... And it would just randomly choose your wrestlers. Yeah. I feel like that's how they booked that. Yeah. But Bar- Barry Horowitz. <clears throat> Barry Horowitz and Atsushi Onita in the same ring. Oh. oh my, as they should be. My heart skipped a beat <laughs> when I read that. We watched that at, uh, like before WrestleMania in the office as well. And f- 
me it was rubbish. <laughs> but in no. fairness, we, we were entertained by the Edmonton when it was dreadful, but in fairness, it's, it's the sort of bollocks you want for over WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. Mm. I bet Cork Banner had the time of his life in that. Uh, obviously, Ric Flair in July had his first match since 2011. And, and his last match. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we considered putting that one on the biggest stories, but it's just like... I just don't think it's his last match. No. That, that, that kid is not retired. That kid. Like, that kid? That young upstart. <laughs> that sprite younger like, Richard Fleer. Uh, like, I just don't think Ric Flair's ever retiring. I think he'll be 83. Blake, just one more, brother Conrad. Get a book now. We, Woo! We, uh, we watched it live, Adam and I, and it was like a decent indie card. And then you had the main event, mm. and it was uh, Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett versus Andrade and the remnants of Ric Flair, yeah. who was dressed all in blue, which is like a, like, a, like, a like a top, like a shirt, and that's always a worry when Flair's in blue. He'd been given the the old world, the old big gold to come out to the ring with. It was the actual big the gold. The actual big gold by Conrad. Yeah. But f what it was the entrance where he, he couldn't put it on for whatever reason. We think he might have had a bit of a... A, 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 a tipple. You know, a livener, as my dad would call it. <laughs> he had a bit of a livener. Before uh, before heading out, yeah. a quick taverna, as my dad would have called it, <laughs> before going out, and uh, he was struggling with that. It was a really embarrassing entrance. Like you couldn't. I compare like the entrance from his last WWE match to the last match that he had there, and the last match, the last WWE match, we had that entrance where he stood there in his robe. And the fireworks went off behind him. And he had tears in his eyes. It's an incredible scene. And he had him like fumbling with a belt that he couldn't quite put on. Oh, come in. Greg. Woo! <laughs> Stalin! And fuck, I've died. Died twice in that match. He passed out twice. Because he's so dehydrated, wasn't he? He said, oh, I forgot how to wrestle over the last 10 years. So I had nothing to drink except alcohol. Jesus And, and then he went backstage. And upon the Undertaker went backstage. And just went, you're downing those free Gatorades now. Before you touch one. Beer. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, because like Bret Hart, The Undertaker, yeah, Ringside. Ring. Was Foley Ringside? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was, was, yeah. was them three at Ringside. Yeah. 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 What a night. And then contrast that to November when Ricky Steamboat came out of retirement. Oh, Steamboat was incredible. I mean, what? you say that like you're surprised. It's Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> I know. <It> just, <laughs> but what, like nearly 30 years after you first retired? Well, yeah, it was his WCW run, wasn't it? And then he came back for a bit at WrestleMania to take on Jericho in that like 2009 in that handicap match, and then just everyone was just like, "Oh, Ricky Steamboat's still class." Yeah. Then he had he some had, health he, problems, didn't he? He has a match in FCW like 2010 where he teams with Richie's son, mm. and then I think he has like an aneurysm on Raw or something in like 2012. Yeah, and the, everyone thinks that's Ricky done. He just like because the whole story from Ric Flair's last match is Rick. Ricky, um, Ricky, Ric Flair wants Ricky Steamboat in the match, and Rick, Ricky Steamboat just goes, Don't think I can do it, brother, brother. Um, and then, but Ricky, Ricky Steamboat says, Of course, fuck yeah, I'm just gonna go and do it. Yeah, he saw Flair for <laughs> fuck, can't be worse than that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's like going, You go first. All right, I can be uh, yeah. <laughs> And of course, the weirdest debut of the year on the Indies, House of Pain Wrestling at the Glowworm Festival in Britain, August. Mr. Blobby. Do you not remember Mr. Blobby? Oh, Mr. Blobby? <laughs> yeah. When did that happen? August, 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 Mr. Blobby and just like a proper Blobby suit though, not one of these cheap wish it Blobby suits. Actual, bo actual Full blobby. on Blobby, just terrifying people. Wow. He, he got Juice Brother, he put someone through a flaming table. No, he didn't do all this, oh, but he... I was going to say, it might have gone, how did he get Juice? 
Yeah, from was uh, it was it in a battle royal? Some no, no, it was like a, 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 a legit a, match, a legit match, <clears throat> and House of Pain. Well, well, the thing that we don't know is because the clip was so short. Is all it shows is Blobby struggling to counter free because he was initially the referee, oh. um, and then he pushes his fellow competitor off the apron to the floor because business for himself, brother. Yeah, <laughs> basically, wow. But we don't know whether he won because the clip was only short. <laughs> but still, Blobby. If you were there. <laughs> Is he not on cage match now? No. Ooh. I don't think We'll have so. to find out. I should have done more research for this. I, I, I turned up, right? Aiden had sent <laughs> us the notes, but I didn't realize that I had to print my own notes. So I come in and Aiden and Tom have got the notes. And he went, where's yours? And I went, did you not print any for me? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've literally just got... Yeah, here's the Varus twins, here's Slim Maybe, Jay. That's yeah. your homework. And maybe you have 10 <laughs> bits of paper. Yeah, <laughs> that's your homework, Maisie. So that's, you know, that's... Well, that is a selection of phenomenal debuts and returns from, from a it, wild and woolly year of wrestling. What a year it's been. What a year. What a year. Uh, we're going to round out our sit-down today uh, with looking at coldhockey.com in, uh, in, with a closer magnifying glass because... The one thing that always makes us chuckle in the office is seeing the back end of the website and seeing what new stories catch fire and what ones don't. Your obvious stuff, like Steve Austin making his in-ring return, doesn't necessarily draw the same amount of interest from our website as some of these more random ones did. Uh, So over to Aiden, who was on a daily basis would, would, would look at the website Hat stats and bits from the day before, and see what was moving and what was shaking. So, what were the the viewers and the readers of coldhockey.com clicking on the most in 2022? Yeah, so these aren't necessarily the biggest articles, but they're some of the biggest. Made of some sweet, sweet dough. Yes, but thank <laughs> you for giving us some money. I by was clicking. usually preceded by you looking at the back end and going, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, "What?" And you'd be like, "Ah, oh, this has been really big this year." This this like nothing story that we did in 10 minutes is make it as loads of money, yeah. whereas the ones we've actually poured our hearts and soul into. It's like the yeah. best way to describe it is our readers love bollocks. Yeah. yeah. And, you'll, and, and, and ECW from the looks of it, as you'll find out. But one of the most random big articles of the year was Adam Scher, a.k.a. Braun Strowman, claimed a three-letter brand tried to get a Control Your Narrative show cancelled over WrestleMania weekend. So out of morbid curiosity, a lot of the biggest stories we've had this year are about Control Your Narrative. That indie promotion started by EC freaking Braun Strowman, and it's some weird QAnon thing mm. that now doesn't exist. There's a there was a weird morbid curiosity about Control Your Narrative because of the way that it presented itself. And do you know what? I often think that Control Your Narrative is a great example of one of those promotions where they go, "We know that people are going to hate click and hate read and hate watch and they take the piss, but they're going to share it everywhere." Yeah. Like when they put out their list of rules. Like, and the rules were really wanky and like they, you know and we don't say entering the ring we say controlling their narrative and it's like oh get fucked to be <laughs> to be fair to them they tried something different exactly yeah. and rest, exactly. wrestling is a variety isn't it and they saw a, a niche and thought yeah we'll do this and then claim there's something about what was a big food seasoning and all this stuff yeah yeah and, yeah yes yeah oh, like, like you yeah. said morbid curiosity it's like a car crash and you're just like oh, i'm just gonna watch this for a bit and you just can't look away 
That was that was the the big food thing was because EC3 launched a line of seasoning <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. for this isn't even bullshit. This is so yeah. true. Control your dinner time or something. Control like your that. dinner time, and it, it was close to that. So like seasoning, which you know to make your steak taste better. But then in in amongst all the 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 nonsense about the article it was like these yeah it's the sort of thing that big seasoning won't sell you yeah, yeah. fucking <laughs> hell like like there's this big conglomerate you made got... like like, like, like Schwarzkopf yeah, yeah. for going <laughs> stay away from us get Dr. Oetker on the phone <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Oetker that's who yeah, Schwarzkopf yeah. do hair <laughs> <laughs> Dr. No, no, you have got Schwartz seasoning. Yeah, Schwartz, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I should control my seasoning. Oh, oh, God. But it's one of those who control your narrative that I think, I don't know if I'm giving EC3 too much credit, but I think it's just to him, it's just this massive performance art piece. Yeah. It might not be. He might be a fucking lunatic, but mm. I like to give the benefit of the doubt. So, <laughs> what, what other weirdness? So this one's from March, and looking back at it now is really just mad, but it was Billy Gunn comments on Triple H possibly joining <laughs> AEW. So what was the comment? Was it just no? It was, hey, we'd like to see him here, brother. brother. <laughs> and then it was, of course, three months later, Triple H has all the power in the world of wrestling. Mm. Because, yeah. because 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 by that point, Triple H was a bit persona non grata. Yeah. Mm. Like, uh, he's come back to work, but was just sort of in the office mm, doing something. So maybe there was something in, in an article where Billy Gunn said, oh, mate, we'd like to see it. Da, 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 da. And speaking of just random stuff, one of the other biggest articles was, um, this is from March as well, Falabar done with Impact Wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Did I write? I probably wrote that one, didn't I? Yeah, Yeah, there's not much you can really say about Falabar, but he was was a nice nice hand. People obviously liked Falabar. Falabar. Um, The other one here, which was good from March as well, was Little Guido returns to Impact Wrestling. Uh, To the point where that has been a running joke throughout the year like we want articles that do the little have the, the little guido effect yeah. where like they just go well like a little guido as himself like wouldn't necessarily be a big name to do a video about but for some reason the internet got very excited yeah about little guido ecw our fans just well our fans our readers just like ecw click yeah that, that's i know it, i would yeah. Yeah. well it's, it's one of those it's it's the nature of the beast with any kind of online articles or news or whatever you do have to use an element of clickbait because otherwise yeah. you just don't get the clicks. So yeah. for the, we try, and this, was, is, this is Aiden's rule and we follow it, that for the big stories, we try and play it straight and narrow. But for the little things like Little Guido, we instead of putting Little Guido returns... It was just, ECW legend or something. Yeah. yeah. So it is a bit clickbaity, but it's the nature of the beast and it works. So... It, you know, it's it's no different to the way, like, you know, if, you, if you're going to be annoyed by a little bit of clickbait, you should be annoyed by the fact that you'll watch TV and they'll go, drink Diet Coke. It's like, stop, stop clickbaiting me into drinking Diet Coke. So well, no, it's just the way it works. We, we try not to take the piss with clickbait. Yeah, because yeah. some places Dude. really take the fucking piss. Are you off? I'm just adjusting my trousers. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I'm a professional. <laughs> Top cultaholic writer plays with self during news video. We'll get up this afternoon. It'll be all right. There you go. Just and then just write little Guido somewhere in there, and it'll be fine. I've put this. Your little Guido. Oh, <laughs> it's a penis joke. He's called Nunzio. <laughs> <laughs> They're like I've put this one down. Like just because it's just so weird. But the biggest article in the whole Cody Rhodes saga 
wasn't Cody Rhodes leaving AEW or Cody Rhodes returning to WWE. It was Cody Rhodes replies after Ty Condi asks him to come back to AEW. I don't know why that was bigger than either of the two. Was it a mention stories. of Ty Conti? Yeah, Ty Conti was mentioned. So I don't know. So maybe it was yeah, because because there's a few female wrestlers that you always guarantee people will be either intrigued to see or, or yeah. love to hate and yeah. want to you know. So whether it's, whether that had something to do because Ty Conti being involved with Sammy Guevara, I think has made her a bit of a yeah, especially in March a hate figure, oh, especially this year, yeah, especially yeah. this year. It was around April. So around WrestleMania, we had The Undertaker reveals why he hates cucumbers. <laughs> <laughs> but this is great, though. This is this is an urban legend that has ca- that has travelled with The Undertaker everywhere, and and it kind of connects The Undertaker with cats, like the weird <laughs> weird vibes about cucumbers. Is it the same why Pablo doesn't like cucumbers? Because the colouring's a bit weird, and if I move it, it moves in a weird way, and I don't trust it. When you said cat, I thought you meant the musical. (laughs) I mean, it could also be like the musical. Are you saying the other thing is a jellicle cat? But essentially, the story in all of this is probably Undertaker when he was a kid ate a whole vat of pickles. So, so not even actual, and develop like, superpowers. So like not even like cucumbers and like nice fresh watery things, as in pickled cucumbers, and then just projectile vomited everywhere. Explains explain why he's such a sour old <laughs> Memories like I'm drinking cucumber. But I remember, I remember when this one, when you found this one and put it in the pile, and we were talking about it, and I went. That's just got cult of holocry all over <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We know our brand and we're very proud of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I one, remember doing a news video once because I said, right, we've got to do a news video now because the Undertaker's just been spotted in Nando's. <laughs> like, and, I, and I got so excited. All right, Undertaker's been in Nando's. Yeah. I tried to ring the Nando's in question and they wouldn't tell me what he'd ordered. <laughs> damn it! Did he order chicken? Uh, no. Shit. Shit. <laughs> Beef. Damn it! Wrong restaurant. Um, this, this, this one's been a running joke throughout the year, both in the office and just online. But Bret Hart questions why Goldberg is in the WWE Hall of Fame. Oh. Again, I probably wrote this because I'm a Bret Hart apologist. I love Bret Hart. <laughs> but yeah, just it's just it's amazing. It's you just oh, I'd love to meet Bret Hart and be like, oh Bret, big fan of you, big fan of everything you did. Your heel run, 1997, fantastic. But just before I leave, Bill Goldberg. And he just goes, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> let me tell you about Bill Goldberg. Uh, one of the, well, he had no business being in a, in a ring at all. And uh, he took some of the best years of uh, earning years away from me. I see him earning millions, uh, headline WrestleMania, and then that should have been me, brother. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, fuck, fuck Bill Goldberg. <laughs> but yeah. he, he does it while praising all that. He was like, this, this wrestler's great. Not like that knobhead Bill Goldberg. And everyone just goes, yeah! <laughs> Does Brett not like Bill Goldberg? Yeah. Uh, apparently not. No. He's kept it very quiet. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't say it enough, but also he was in The Simpsons. Yeah. You should say that more often. <laughs> he, he, he loves the shriek and chic. <laughs> this is the shriek and chic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Hart, for some reasons, from Texas in that episode of The Simpsons. Wow, do I want a picture of a pitiful pencil neck <laughs> geek? <laughs> It is random. <laughs> so what else happened is Vince McMahon once basically suspended a WWE talent for not saying thank you. This was revealed by Kurt Angle. The talent was not named. I can believe that. Yeah. Vince had so many foibles that people wrote about, like sneezing near him. Uh, Where you cut your steak or something? 
Yeah. yeah. What was the one about his steak? Yeah, like you had to cut it a certain way or something, otherwise Ooh. you were a weirdo. He didn't know what a burrito was. He called it a meat <laughs> yeah, wrap. A meat wrap. Despite the fact he was eating one every day for lunch. Was and that came out because they were gonna do a storyline around like Big Show eating burritos. Yeah. And Vince went, No one's gonna know what a burrito is. So you have one every day. No, I don't have a meat wrap. It's a burrito, Vince, <laughs> you fucking idiot. Well, was it this year as well when, when Petey Williams started working backstage at WWE? Yeah. He said, you're not allowed to be called Petey. That's a child's name. You're Peter or Pete. <laughs> <laughs> to which Aiden Gibbon said that Pete is a horse's Pete name. Pete is a horse's name. <laughs> Pete is not P- Peter, human being. Pete, a horse. Was there something as well, when, uh, since we're on Vince-isms, that if you were an older wrestler that worked in the development system you'd have to dye your hair. I remember reading that. There was one in late 2021 when Vince and Johnny Ace were stood in charge where this bloke was, like Javier Bernalis on Level Up all the time. He had great hair, like the most luscious locks you've ever seen. Model hair, quite literally. Um, and, and, And Vince went, get that hair off and basically made him cut it like Angel Garza. And it was like, what? <laughs> so he just got this short back and sides now. Everyone just, yeah, look. Yeah. Remember, remember when Dolph Ziggler was told, cut your hair and dye it brown? And he came out with a face like a smacked ass, and like a week later, somehow it had grown back and it was blonde yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, Vinceisms. I, I mean, like. I'll miss him in a weird way. I, I, I will miss the Vinceisms because he's just a fucking weirdo, really. <laughs> really is. Also, this is one where, like, it wasn't going to get a bigger stories, but just, like, a mad thing that happened this year. But Chris Jericho and MVP of WWE were involved in a hotel confrontation. Um, apparently nothing bad happened. Like, it wasn't, like, brawl out where they had to put a punch up backstage. But apparently it was a tense situation, and Jericho told MVP, as Jericho was escaping getting into the elevator, that he doesn't fight jobbers, <laughs> which caused MVP to just start screaming in the lobby. Jericho in the lift, hitting the button, going, this is like maximum overdrive! <laughs> So five jobs, not <laughs> Yeah. Oh, rubbish. Close, 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 close. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've done that to my brother when we stayed in the hotel as kids. Uh, wanker. <laughs> wanker. <laughs> and like, we, we don't know why it started, but apparently just, um, they stopped following each other like months beforehand. Mm. And I think it's over Jericho's politics, which, um, going off his Twitter, are pretty right wing. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, there's the whole joke of where was Jericho on January 6th when you had the Capitol insurrection. Um, probably MVP doesn't subscribe to right-wing politics. It's it's one of those as well. Obviously, Jericho's got a reputation of, you know, being tough and that you won't back down from a fight. Like, you challenge Goldberg to a fight and Lesnar and stuff Lesnar, like yeah. that. But MVP would f- fucking batter him, wouldn't he? Mm. MVP's a hard man. Like, Oh, God, yeah. If there was going to be a fight. Yeah. MVP's having him. Incidentally, when Chris Jericho was asked where he was at Insurrections, I'm sad that he didn't say, I was in the middle of the ring doing the uh, Jericho talk show with Eric Bischoff and Steve Austin. Yeah. <laughs> Newcastle oh! at one time. So you fucking out the Literally had a Bobby Robson shout out. And nobody in America knew who Bobby Robson is. But I'm like, yes, Bobby Robson. You're there, spin your shit around. Whoa, Bobby. <laughs> Give us a premium live event at the arena, you cowards. You're coming back in a few months' time. Make it a premium live event. <laughs> dare you. I dare you. So this is very British, this one. But oh, it was yeah. um, indie wrestler cast in BBC EastEnders, which was Charles Crowley. Yeah, so uh, this is what I did. Yes. This is one of my yeah, uh, exclusive like exclusive, yeah. Because, like, I, I, every so often I'll see something a bit off the beaten track of wrestling and I'll go, we should cover that because I doubt anyone else is. Mm. 
and and lo- and I'm really delighted that he made the list of odd articles that did very yeah. well. Yeah. So Charles Crowley uh, is is also part of the Actors Guild. And he, he he auditioned for a role in EastEnders and got it. Only a small role. I don't know whether he's still on it. I think it was I only a bit part. It's like he played a mechanic that was brought in to help for a bit. He had about four or five lines that mainly, mainly revolved around him saying, let's go for a pint in the pub now we've finished work. But I love that he was in it because I had that probably Leonardo DiCaprio moment when I put the EastEnders episode on and went, it's a wrestler. It's great. It was really good fun. And, and bless, bless the BBC EastEnders PR team. Um, who took about three weeks to get back to us to say, yes, you can play the interview. <laughs> but it's one of those, like... So in case we slagged off them and promoted Corrie, I don't know what they thought we were going to do. <laughs> we prefer the Dales. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, when when Tom does, um, when you do Desert Island Graps, you'll be like, I've got so-and-so on. Has anyone got any questions? And and we'll we'll think, right, is there anything that is very us? Like when mm. Gangrel was on, he was with was a straight to hell with. He is straight to hell, hell, yeah. And I knew for a fact growing up in Merseyside that Gangrel spent a lot of time in Birkenhead. So I said to I said to Ross, I was like, ask him his thoughts on Birkenhead. And then he ended up going on about getting bangers and mash from Weatherspoons. And we were like, get that on the side. <laughs> print it. Get, print it, you run bastard. Run that immediately, you yeah. cowards. But we had another one this year where you interviewed Anthony Agogo, Tom. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it was talking about a UK show that's basically meant to be coming next year. When you said, you're going to be on that show and you could do really well, it's went. <gasps> Mate, I've got a stiffy. And I was like, <laughs> it, it, it was you asking, suggested basically, well, that might work as an article. And I went, I don't think we can get away with stiffy, like if I want to keep all the social medias in my good books. But I'd run it by Adam just to get approval. Adam was like, yeah, I love it. Get it up now. Like, okay, we'll get the Get stiffy. it, get that stiffy up now. Yeah. It's like, gentlemen, we'll be wiping our asses with 50 pound notes tonight. <laughs> we'll be eating tonight, mama. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's when, they, when, when you interview them and they give you little gifts like that, yeah, you, know, you, you you punch the air in your own head, and you're like, yeah, there you yeah. go. It was like when um, in my other job, I ended up having to do a rant. I think it was last year. I ended up having to do an interview with um, with Tyson Fury's wife about the release oh, God, of her yeah. book, and and it was for the BBC. So I had like about an eight minute window, and like BBC Bristol and BBC Cambridge had gone before me, and then it was my turn. And I thought no one's asked about wrestling. They're asking about Tyson. They're all talking about boxing. No one's talked about wrestling. So therefore, we did the bit. We talked about Paris's book and all this. And then I said, uh, obviously, there's a lot of talk about, re- about boxing. What about the wrestling world? Because we know he's big into WWE. And that's where she went, oh, yeah, she, she was, he was texting Vince McMahon the other day. They're always texting each other. <laughs> and the producer, who was through the window, it was, it was like a, it was a call for an ISDN call. And the producer saw me punch the air. <laughs> and afterwards, she said, what was that for? I said, because I've just done, I've just done two jobs in one there. <laughs> and literally, as the interview finished, I went, right, Aiden, there you go. Yeah. There she is. saying to the, And knowing that the, every, the, it, everybody it, would run it that. It ran wild, yeah. It, yeah. Ran, it went Everywhere and I was like, there you go. Like That's Hulk, it. Like Hulkamania. They covered it in the in the BBC <laughs> BBC do a weekly newsletter. BBC Newcastle do a weekly newsletter um whereby they'll talk about things that happen in the week. And yeah. it was like this bit in I know not many of you are into the whole pro wrestling world, but <laughs> look what Tom did this week. It was screen grabs of all the random news websites. The the right it was like seeing like e wrestling Fightful mentioned BBC Radio Newcastle. I was like, this is brilliant. Well, I, I had one of those myself. Was it was it this year or was it last year when um, AEW put out a... is when Hook was getting big. 
and they put out an image on social media of Hulk standing there, but just with loads of headlines from all the wrestling websites. We were him, on it with my name right next yes. to his head. I was like, "Yes, like, Mum, I've done it." And she went, "Who are you?" And I was like, "It's your favourite song." <laughs> <laughs> Made it, Mum. Oh, that's class. Yeah. So oh, I've, got, get I've, it I've got that one saved. What's yours, Aiden? Oh, I don't have a cool story. You must have a cool story. Had a nice chat with Karen Noel that time. I did. And, and, and Doug Williams. And Doug Williams. Yeah. And Takeshita. And Takeshita. Oh, fuck You had a chat with Takeshita? <laughs> well, no, I had, well, Fraser did. I wrote all the questions. Ah. But, 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 Was uh, there a translator between you both? No. Just thinking more because like English isn't his first language and Geordie is your yeah. first language. <laughs> Whether there was... <laughs> I did feel sorry for him. I imagine like five minutes into it would just been pun. <laughs> sorry? <laughs> A- Aiden is so Geordie that, like, even Ross in our office, who is Geordie, will just go, come again. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I do think that Ross is going deaf as well, so I think it's there a bit of both. Bit of Ross going in in deaf. fairness to Ross, he's not a full Geordie. I'm, uh, I'm RVI born. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's morbid. Yeah, he's, he's morbid, which is just how tired of him. Royal Infirmary. So he's still very, very Geordie, but not quite as Geordie as me from New Big and Hall. Sure. <laughs> um, Oh, yes, but the, the Takesha story, Lee McIntyre of Progress is lovely. He set what up for the Progress's show in Newcastle in September. Mm. And he went, can, can we have Takesha? Because he just left a W like his second excursion. And um, just, oh, hot, hot stuff. Hot, yeah. hot stuff. Hot, hot. That sort of stuff. For those listening on the podcast, Aiden just licked his finger and touched the table. Because yeah. apparently COVID isn't a thing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're all going to have a three-way snog after yeah, this, yeah. as <laughs> usual. That's us all ill for Christmas. <laughs> oh, that's my main, that's my main present. Uh, but we did, we did Spike Trevay, um, who a couple of weeks later became Progress World Champ. We did Big Demo, bless his heart, like lovely bloke, but he wouldn't shut up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was like the interview was incredible. Like it, Fraser was great with the interview, got all the questions and all that. But I was recording this after having been there for five hours on my phone. And I was whole. I didn't carry any equipment. I just held it in my hand. It's like I've only got little weak arms, <laughs> so I had to keep swapping hands. Oh, I did him. <laughs> and then what? Demo was so. Your granddad long. probably worked out of mine. <laughs> so you know. Pull <laughs> me arms, holding this iPhone. Oh well, funny story. Slave never a hot keyboard. My granddad actually had one hand. <laughs> <laughs> he was shit holding yeah. an iPhone <laughs> because it was because it was chopped off by a plane. But, 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 uh, 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 Anything to get out of interview. Into Kester. Yeah. I'll explain that after. But it oh, was, please do! Please do, Blitz Spirit. But it was a um, big, big demo. Um, was, was doing the interview. Um, and Takeshita, who by this point has finished his merge table and is now just waiting, <laughs> like, waiting to go home. And he's waiting on me, 26 year old Geordie lad, in Fraser, 25 year old Scottish lad, in Big Demo. And so we eventually got down with him, and he was lovely. Like, oh. that was where we got the exclusive on basically Takeshita. He wasn't meant to tell me we found out later. It was. Um, Takeshita basically told us that he was probably coming back in September or October time and he went I'm not signing with WWE but I'm going to be back at AEW in a couple of months we were like ding dong they're like, they're, like there's the exclusive print it print it print it <laughs> and then we found out later when Fraser went to the after party basically the bloke went for fuck's sake, he wasn't meant to tell you that. <laughs> <but okay. laughs> like, sorry, dickheads on the side. Yeah, it was like, like, he's told her, but I'll cut again. He went, sorry. Yeah, we fine, asked him fine. at the end of the interview, was there anything you were ha- anything you weren't happy about? That you're not happy with being in there, which is I always say at the end of every interview. I go, yeah. are you happy with everything in there? Is there anything that you're not happy about being re- being broadcast? And they always go, yes, yeah, fine. And they go, right, that's it. That's my clearance. I've yeah. recorded that bit. Yeah, that's clearance. We're good to go. I take, we asked the cash, and he was like. 
I'm not bothered. Whatever. And it was like his, it was like his, I don't know say he's like his handler, but like the guy that books it all and sort of like he's traveling all that sort mm. of stuff. Um, oh yeah, my granddad's hand. Is um, <laughs> the real meat, princess. So, so it was, it, it was in the RAF. Like the was this the top story for July? <laughs> yeah, my granddad's hand. Uh, he's like 19, and it was, he was in the RAF. There might be no planes landing this day, so he's, he's going to get a bacon sandwich. It's horribly windy. He's got like a poncho over his head, just driving a tractor of all things across a runway, chugging along dead loud, can't hear anything. Next thing you know, a plane's landing on the runway while he's tooting along across it. Uh, it's like he didn't decapitate it, really, but like they had propellers, and the propeller starts going, going down this tractor, and next thing you know, his hand chopped off. So, um, would you not have seen the plane coming? No, no, because he was driving like a wit, like a right. So the, the, would you not have heard the plane coming? No, no, it's very loud. These, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, 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 it's not like he was driving on the road and had to look for incoming traffic. He was like, Oh, I'm driving across a runway where there's no planes landing today. Yeah. I wasn't expecting a plane <laughs> and, and on then, a runway. <laughs> and then it was, it was, he said they went back with his hand later, but the birds had eaten it, so they couldn't put his hand back on. Sorry. That's metal. <laughs> Did he get his bacon sandwich? I think so. Oh, he was eating it when he went and fished his hand out. Oh, fucking hand. Fucking hand's gone. <laughs> it was like, oh, the birds were eating it. And then they were saying, <laughs> he, he, he was so stupid that nobody like discharged it from the RAF, but when you lost a hand, that's punishment enough. <laughs> I was like, yeah, fair play. So for, for the rest of like for the rest of his life, um, he had a, a wooden hand. Because <laughs> like, basically when they made them, they were made of wood that you'd sort of like strap on and wear and all this other sort of shit. Do you know what yeah. is, do you know what is so, again, we talk about like, this is so cultaholic, but the stories here, like this is so cultaholic, right? We've talked for over three hours yeah. about the stories of the year. Mm. The one, I guarantee you, the only comments we're going to get about your granddad's wooden hand. <laughs> wooden hand. Yeah. The only but, comment we're going to get is your granddad's wooden hand. Well, most people think it's bollocks. I'm like, no, I've read the report. It's true. And he did Meltzer have one said hand. It. Yeah. It was like, it's 100% true, which is unbelievable, basically. Is there like, the, is the hand somewhere still? No, the uh, but birds at it. Oh, the wooden no, one. No, no, the oh, wooden one. Oh, the wooden hand, no, but got rid of it when he died. Oh. Just got rid of it. Just <laughs> well, I don't know whether he might be buried with it or whether it might be kept somewhere. Uh, well, no, yeah, yeah, Turned yeah. into like an infinity gauntlet. Yeah, uh. two. He had one that he was buried with. Okay, so your burial a, hand, as always. Yeah, burial hand. And he had, and he had Traditional. Spare in case like, it broke or something. Nice. So he would always have two hands. So could he operate the fingers on it? Or was no, it just like so for, it, for, it just, it for like, show It was purposes. like a fist, but it had a bit on the side, like a metal bit that you could pull up and the thumb would go ding, and the thumb would ding up. <laughs> so he could, he, so could he, could he could approve of stuff <laughs> yeah. and get a lift out. <laughs> like, if you, if you want... <laughs> <laughs> but to operate it, he had to use his other hand yeah. rather than just go, oh yeah, fuck it, I'll just, <laughs> I'll put my actual fleshy human thumb up. <laughs> Incredible. So you would do it. That's the most jawdy thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Can you make sure I can still give a thumb up, mate? Pull out and chat, man. Do you think you wanted to carry like a tray or something? You can put your thumb over the top. Uh, it's like, yeah, I'd give a thumb. Or if you wanted to like soak six people at once with a hose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but probably I used to love it as a kid because of course this wooden hand. Why wouldn't you chew that one? You're teething. Yeah. So I used to just sit on my granddad's hand and chew it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, happy Christmas, everybody. Yeah.
We've had Happy that Grimbo now. Limbo. So, uh, what, what, else? what else is happening? <laughs> oh, yeah. What are the big stories yeah. out there for the year? <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll just combine these two because they're like similar sort of vein. But it was Alan, a- Alan, a- <laughs> Alan Angel's debut <laughs> in Impact Wrestling. <laughs> And Blake, oh, Alan Angels. and Blake Christian signs of AEW. Like two nice. just sort of innocuous signings, just did really big numbers. And is there like a bit of groundswell of support for like an Alan Angels, maybe? I think it was just he was in the news at the time because he, he just left AEW. Mm. Um, it did seem very inspired. sudden how he went from Impact, yeah. AEW yeah, to Impact. Yeah. I, I think sometimes as well is because... With some of these stories, some they either get lost in the shuffle on other websites, or they're just thinking, "We're not reporting that, and we'll run it. It'll do really well." Yeah, yeah. because because no, no one else has thought, "Oh, perhaps there's you know people want to know about the Undertaker's cucumber fear <laughs> and stuff like that." <laughs> um, this was another one. So, our like readers have, I think everyone sort of has a love hate relationship with Dave Meltzer, where Dave Meltzer is like the top tier journalist in wrestling. But his star ratings don't, of course, some debate. Mm. You have to always remember they're just one man's opinion. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like you said years ago, Tom, that Dave Meltzer is a California dad who effectively wanted to write about wrestling and just happened to become the biggest wrestling journalist there is. Yeah. It just, it just, he just struck at the right time. And, 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 and it's become a name. And because, like we said before, that wrestling is like a, a variety act. If you like the same kind of wrestling that Dave does, he's a great guy if you want to see stuff. But if you don't like the same stuff that Dave does, then you're just going to think he's a clown. Yeah, yeah that's it. Because there's so many matches that are entertaining in their own way, but because they don't they don't fit the criteria yeah. of a of a star rated match, then they get lost. But yeah, so so Dave was mentioned. Yes. Uh, this is because so, of a Vince McMahon thing, isn't it? Yeah, it was Vince McMahon told WWE writers to take your heads out of Dave Meltzer's ass. <laughs> and it was basically Vince McMahon wanted them to write essentially for him yeah. instead of writing for what would get Dave Meltzer's approval. <laughs> but Vince McMahon forgetting that you're not meant to be writing for him, you're meant to be writing for the fans. Yes. <laughs> so putting smiles on faces. My face. Yeah. <laughs> and no one else. But again, that's very in keeping with Vince's mm. style, isn't it? You're very much Vince Like, McMahon. make me happy. The man with a rugged face who decided once he turned 70, mm, I'm looking old, better get a facelift. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, you fool no one, Vince. God. You look frightened. It's like Simon Cowell had one done. Yes. Oh, oh he looked terrible. Oh, even he said, oh, no, this looks... This yeah. like, it's like someone tried to draw Simon Cowell from memory, and that's how it looked. Never it? underestimate the vanity of... Men, basically. No, it's true. Yeah, we get rugged and craggy as we get older, and I think it's a good thing. It's when yeah. Bear Reynolds got a facelift, like mm. one of the most manliest men of the seventies, and when he was like pushing it, he was like, "Got my forehead smoothed out." I was like, "What are you doing, Bert Reynolds? You don't need that, Bert Reynolds. <laughs> no, stop it, Bert Reynolds. <laughs> we use his full name all the time. In yeah, Bert Reynolds. Bert, not just Bert. <clears throat> yeah, Bert. Um, another big story: Sanga of NXT fame was cast in a Bollywood movie. Oh. That one did really big numbers for some reason. Oh. Like, uh, I think we did have WWE NXT star, but it was still like in a Bollywood movie. People were like, yeah, I'll click on that. Okay. And yeah. Everyone read that one. Um, these ones have been mentioned on the main Cultaholic Wrestling podcast with like Ross, Jack, and Matthew. Um, but it was Jimmy Wang Yang reveals he accidentally got re signed by WWE after trying to get laid. Mm. So, I mean, this story is amazing. <laughs> so I'm glad that it's made the list. Yeah. yeah. It was basically Jimmy Wang Gang thought this last was dead fit. 
and went, I've got connections in WWE, I'll get with some tickets for, I guess it must be one of the summer shows in 2006. Mm. And it was, goes backstage and Vince McMahon goes, Jimmy, where the hell have you been? That was a tough impression. <laughs> You're late for work. It's just like, Vince, you fired me like a year ago, two years ago. It's like, did I? I don't remember that. I'll see you in catering. <laughs> so, Vince... <laughs> So that was it. Then Vince just went. He's just really late for work. You know, so it's, a, it's a big long story, basically. Then amazing. I think it's it's a spot where the Spirit Squad all pick up Shawn Michaels and throw him at the end. He goes through the announce table as part of DX's feud with the Spirit Squad. I remember squad. that. And Shawn Michaels was like, "I'm not doing that." Like, um, and they went, "Jimmy, do you want to go through a table tonight?" And they went, "Yeah, okay, I'll go and do that." Mm. So he does the spot. He goes, "Doesn't hurt too bad." And then Vince goes, do you want to do a match on Sunday Night Heat with Charlie Haas? Does the match. Do you want to come to SmackDown? Goes to SmackDown. And then Vince McMahon just goes, here's a contract, Jimmy. <laughs> now, you see, last time you had a southern drawl. <laughs> and to my hands, like, I'm not from the south. Like, what's he on about? <laughs> and um, he basically goes, you're going to be a southern cowboy. We'll get around your southern accents. You'll be a southern cowboy. <laughs> Jimmy Wang Yang, that sounds good. And that's how he got re-signed and became Jimmy Wang Yang. <laughs> Amazing. And unfortunately, I haven't, I haven't checked yet, but we still don't know if he uh, got laid that night. No. Oh, he, he got paid, though. He got paid, though. He got paid. The next one is sort of, sort of shows you um, what the majority of our audience is, but it was... Tori Wilson reveals X-rated WWE pitch she turned down. So, talk us through the pitch. Can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> probably we, we were on holiday at the time. It probably involved asses. I think it was that. I think it was. Can, a, I, think oh, I got this idea where we have sex. So I don't know this one either. It says it's in November, so there's a good chance that I was off because it was my birthday. Fuck it out. Written by Lewis House. We well, think we think Jack might, might have been off that day because there was a Y in the day. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was basically <laughs> Sable. Just pulling your day, you're a grafter. It was basically I've got an ad. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> This, this is what a day actually working in our office it's is like. Pretty accurate. Yeah. We haven't talked about World War Two as much as we normally would. That, that is true. We'll talk about the RAF, though. So we have talked about, about the RAF. Well, there was the, the time this year that Jack was writing an article and got sidetracked about the origins of Hans Molman on Simpsons. <laughs> that, there so is he was that. on like, Simpsons Wiki reading about Hans Molman. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah. It, it was basically... Um, Join us. <laughs> when Sable had uh, painted boobs, they asked Toy Wilson to do the same, and she went, nah. She wouldn't paint her boobs up like Sable Just is. didn't want to be naked on TV. Fair fair enough. Enough. That's fair play, that really. That's, yeah, that's yeah. fair enough. Uh, and the last one, very on brand with Cultaholic and Geordie Land in general, Triple H approves of Greg's sausage, bean and cheese melt. So this came from, I know the origin of this, uh, this is Sport Bible. Yeah. Uh, they had Triple H over here promoting, was it Clash of the Castle, was I it? Think it was just in general. Just in general, they were over here just doing some stuff. And uh, they got Triple H to do Snack Wars. And my soul lit up to see Triple H trying a Greg's and I don't know why, and, and, and it's proof positive, the desktop picture on my phone, <laughs> to this day, is Triple H eating a Greg's. But Alex was thrilled with that. <laughs> yeah, she's been bumped. She gets it. <laughs> I just, I, she said, why? I said, I don't know why I've got this weird hyperfixation with this image of Triple H eating a Greg's. Like that day, I was like, I don't know why I'm obsessed with this. Yeah. I think because it's like, it's Triple H doing something very normal. I have a... A weird thing where I quite like seeing famous people doing very normal things. 
<laughs> like, you know, I like the idea of like a TV show where it's like Bruce Willis just like filling out some paperwork and then going to buy a light bulb. Like, <laughs> just, I like the idea of just celebrities doing very normal things. Mm. And I guess Triple H just sat there eating a Greg's. I was just like, that's great, that. Triple I like H that goes home, he's got to get the dars in because he's got to do some washing, that sort of rubbish. Yeah, I like it. Miley in class, dislodging a poo with a coat hanger. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. I like it. Uh, Andy Bush from Absolute Radio has a, a, has a book that he released a few years ago called Celebrities at Home. Mm. And it is just things like David Bowie just separating the whites from the whites. Machine. And it's just like it's it's just little cartoon drawings of celebrities doing very normal stuff. I really like it. Triple H having a Greg's is up there, really. Yeah. And just how and, and just how like he was disinterested in everything. Yeah, everything British. He was like, nah, licorice, all like that. Yeah, he didn't like licorice, it's like fizzy drinks. Who the fuck like, likes licorice? Yeah, I don't like licorice yeah. either. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm a bit confused as why people like licorice. Didn't like yeah. poor scratchings, which is an unreal opinion. Poor scratchings are amazing. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, at the base of it, they are foul. <laughs> Yeah, but not the stink, but the delicious taste. <laughs> I do like a pork scratch. I do like a pork scratch. I could do one right now. You know what? Let's all let's all call time and go and get pork scratch. Pork scratchings. That's what we're going to do. Uh, this has been our look back at 2022, uh, uh, combined with a little bit about uh, Aiden's granddad yes. and his yeah. wooden arm. Yes. Uh, I want to say uh, thank you to uh, Jack Atkins and Aiden Gibbons from coldaholic.com. Um, anytime you click onto our website, uh, it is uh, an amazing group of people behind the scenes that put that together. It's Lewis House, it's Justin Henry, it's Jack King. And it keeps me employed, Jack so Atkins. keep clicking. Yes, it is. And every time you click on the website, you keep the, the machine running. Yeah. So we're very grateful for that. Uh, oh, and don't forget your contributions to the news every morning every for the videos. Morning. Yeah. Oh, that old thing. When you wake up at 6 a.m. <laughs> that's a lie, isn't it, Tom? Yes, that's a lie. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've, I've been up for an hour and a half by then. <laughs> Got loads of stuff done. Uh, but thank you for supporting us throughout 2022 uh, as the, the new year rolls in. Any New Year's resolutions, lads? No. no. Just keep on keeping on. My yeah. life's pretty good. No oh, look at that. Oh, what a wholesome way to end <laughs> it. Uh, enjoy your remainder of Crimbo Limbo. He's at Aiden Gibbons. He's at Jack Atkins. I'm at Tom Campbell on uh, cultaholic.com. Don't forget to join us and love you. Bye. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Mm-hmm.